Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Kyle Preslinski. I'm Elliot Marish. I'm Fred Oslo. And I'm Steve Hildrew. Welcome to Countercharge. I am super excited today because we are plunging into an army review of the Naughty Elves, the Twilight Kin. Everyone's best faction because it is the best faction um not just because i'm playing it a lot of the minute um and i am really really excited to welcome three super experts and super celebrities of the kings of war scene i feel like i'm in the presence of, of greatness um, so we've got kyle um it's formerly of uh, mastercrafted now kings of war expert at mantic you uh, u.s sales guy super super kyle with his great beard which i didn't shave off we've got elliot who's now on the Rules Committee and of Northern Kings. And we've got Fred of Giant Dwarf Frame. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. This is really, really cool. Great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, brothers. So, um, obviously, I know who you all are, and most people will know who you all are. But for those who might not be aware of who you are, let's do a, a brief uh, introduction to who you are, but more importantly, your credentials and why I've invited you on uh, to be Twilight King expert. So, um, Kyle, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, if you guys don't know me, like Steve said, I work for Mantic. I started out as a fan, much like you guys. Uh, I joined the game fairly late, starting into second edition in 2015, shortly after the whole exodus from Warhammer. And I started a YouTube channel because of it. And we did some battle reports and got involved that way. And those battle reports took off quite a bit just because there wasn't a lot of people making battle reports at the time. And I did some stuff for Mantic because I really believed in the company. I saw such a great response to the community and so i decided to do uh some kickstarter video help with them and, and things like that and i just kind of kept getting involved with the employees and the staff and uh when this position popped up i i jumped right on it i just i wanted to be a part of something that i thought was great had a lot of good upside and here i am today so if you haven't heard of me you can check out stuff on mastercrafted on youtube and see some things there it's been a while since we posted just because it's kind of hard to get together with jesse at the moment but um yeah, content will still be coming, and obviously I'm here to make extra content for you guys this way. And tell us a little bit about your, your Twilight Kin experience. Well, Twilight Kin, uh, I started them in second edition Kings of War just because it was an army that I always wanted to do and in Warhammer, but never did. So when I had the chance all of a sudden to do it in Kings of War, it was like, okay, here's a great opportunity. I have my old GW you know, undead army, but now I have a brand new opportunity to do something new. So Twilight Kins, where I started, I took some GW stuff and then I took some game zone things and sort of put them together. And I made a list fairly quick and took it to Adepticon in 2016, I want to say it was. And that was actually my first tournament experience was with Twilight Kin then. And at the time it was uh, a real combined arms force, lots of shooting, some blood boil shenanigans that I mixed in there, some fireballs, but I also had some hard hitting elements and some grinded out with spears and the abyssal riders and, and things like that. So I really liked the combined for combined arms approach that twilight Kin had. I really enjoyed vicious as a special rule and it really still encapsulated the flavor of what evil elves were supposed to be. Now, after they got rid of, blood boil and then once i joined mantic i kind of moved on to undead and i hadn't played them for the remainder of second edition when third edition popped up again all of a sudden it was like okay 
now's the time to take a look at these guys again because I feel like Combined Arms has a little bit more vi- uh, viability to it than what it did towards the end of second edition where it was either, you know, alpha shooting one way or the other. So now I, as I started in the third edition, I was really struggling with my undead and I was like, okay, so let's, let's try out some twilight kin. And I played him and all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is, this is a third edition list. This is something that actually clicks and makes sense with me in my play style. And so all of a sudden I started winning games quite a bit with them. And I was like, yeah, this is my third edition army. Awesome. Sorry, you were struggling with undead. (laughs) Were you playing with With your eyes closed? Oh, right, right, right. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. Um, Elliot, let's move on to you. Um, give us a little bit of a, a background to who you are, where you come from, and then some of uh, your, your Twilight Kin credentials. Yes, yeah, so I'm Elliot Morrish. I am one of two new additions to the, the Rules Committee. So at the minute, I'm, I'm still excited about that and don't probably haven't realized what I've let myself in for, but really excited to be sort of getting involved with that. I'm also one of the Northern Kings and have the, the One Northern King blog, which as you could probably tell during lockdown, I had a lot of extra time for. So put lots of battle reports up and lots of general thoughts about the game and our scoring system. And I also put a, a review up on there of my initial impression when I first started playing um, Twilight Kin. I'm quite a bit into since then, really. I've quite a lot more games. I'm new for third edition to Twilight Kin, so I'm sort of not bringing any of the preconceptions of second edition which i think is some of the issues people have with them which i'll touch on later but i'm looking at it with fresh eyes as a, a brand new army and absolutely loving it i wanted to play twilight king because they're really cool i don't know that, that was what drew me to them at first i've always liked the idea of dark elves and you know that the the naughty elves side of it and i, I love the mix and match pick and mix style that the list is you know, the, the silly thing people always say is, oh, well, why don't you just play Night Stalkers? Why don't you just play Abyssals? Well, you get all the best bits of all of them and you get to put them all together into a really cool, unique army that I think has a lot of character and, and feels very different to any of the other armies that it, it pulls from. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's definitely how it, it feels to me too. And last but definitely not least, we have uh, Fred. So Fred, give us a little intro, uh, who you are, uh, where you come from and, and some of your, your Twilight Kinnick history. Yeah, so I'm Fred from the Giant Dwarf podcast, Norwegian player and TO. I've been in King's War for a while. Um, I arranged my first uh, tournament in October 2015. So we kind of got started immediately in second edition. And we just really kept it up from there. So me and Lars kind of started the whole Norwegian scene back in the day. And the second edition was really our big growth period. And when it comes to Twilight Kin, I didn't really want to play them before because I didn't like the fact that they were just a PDF on the on the Mantic website. It felt like it was a bit like uh, you know unofficial. Uh, so I, I always gave Iowin shit for playing them. I called them not not a real army. Like uh, kind of forced him to play normal elves instead of Twilight Kin. Uh, and I think I even went so far as to ban them from one event. I said, just Twilight Kin is not allowed. It's just a PDF. You can't play them. <laughs> but when they finally became a real army, then I became a, little, a, bit, a bit interested in, in them again. And I did actually have a large uh, Dark Elf force from my old Warhammer days. Uh, they'd just been lying in a drawer for many, many years. So I finally decided to break out the, the old army and... Uh, it's actually actually my first non-Mantic army because my first army was undead, like all Mantic. And then I did orcs, also all Mantic. So now I kind of allowed myself the luxury, well, not the luxury, but uh, the ease of just taking all these old models and rebasing them 
And it was so quick because they were already painted. So I just needed to make the bases. And like during a, a week or so, I had a complete army of the Twilight King. Very cool. It's, it's worth saying, you know, people say you can't make a, a Mantic Twilight King army, but um, Mantic used to make Twilight you can, <laughs> you can if you use actually i've literally just I'm, come I'm, across I'm doing it now as we speak <laughs> i've just come across a, 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 a version one twilight kin army box like the full army box yeah yeah which i've managed to get hold of and i'm kind of looking at it thinking well i don't i don't actually need this because i've just made a whole twilight kin army um, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have it off you then if you don't want to do you want it do you want it i, I, I might <laughs> have a chat to you afterwards it is mostly just elves with some metal heads just and some spears fyi uh, but there's a sorceress model in there i've been looking at so yeah 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 a perk of working for mantic is i actually asked the casting department to bust out those old molds and uh make some for me and they actually made them and sent them to me so i'm i'm actually making it with the those original models right now Mr. Fancy Pants over there. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the main problem with the army box, it comes with six, like 30 crossbowmen, something like that. So it's, you know, we'll, we'll come into that in a bit. That the current use perhaps isn't isn't the best. But there, yeah, there is some good models in there. So, really quickly, um, let's just, before we ha- jump into the army review, let's do a, a quick hobby update what we've been uh, doing the last couple of weeks. And I'll start. I've, d- I've been working on my uh, Twilight Kim because it's topical. So, I've been uh, finishing off. So, I just before lockdown, I was I'd got really uh, bummed out on hobby and I didn't want to do any more hobby so my friend russell was going to paint all these rune wars miniatures that i've got for me um but then lockdown happened and i couldn't get them to him so i ended up just doing them myself and they've turned out pretty good so i've been doing my twilight kin so um fred have you been doing any hobby over the last couple of weeks oh you've been on holiday so actually probably not right yeah yeah i've been kind of out of town and uh, so i haven't done a lot of hobby but i've um actually just today i picked up a box of orc skulks from the local shop so I'm going to try to make some, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure, but I'm, I'm torn between the Skulk Riders and the Skulk Chariots. I mean, both are probably not great, but they both seem fun. So I, I'm still trying to decide which one to make. And I'm, I also got a box of, uh, for Dead Zone, I bought a box of, um, oh, what's it, they called Rangers or Marines uh, for uh, a Maison Labs uh, force uh, that I'm working on. So um I'm, I'm getting slowly back into it. I'm prob- probably going to get painting a bit now since I had like three weeks in, in June where I didn't really do anything. So I'm, I'm getting a hobby itch uh, slowly but steady. Oh, and by the way, before I forget, I want to shout out to my homie Vidor, uh, my new host on the Giant Dwarf podcast. Uh, and Steve, uh, he asked me to tell you that you are one of his favorite persons. Aww. That's nice. That makes me feel warm inside. I am a... I just think I'm stealing some content from your podcast now. We're going to do a four-minute D&D at the end of this as well, just to really, you know, make uh, V-Dog feel special. I really like how um, when, he, when he picked up doing the uh, the two-minute D&D, you started with Lars. It really made me laugh because it was so completely different, right? This was your brother. So Lars is always like, yeah, summer happened. Maybe I'm going to roll a dice, but I don't really know. And anyway, it's, you probably got a spell. Whereas V-Dog's like, right, I've written out some rules and you roll this for this. And this is just stats. Okay. And you have this armor slot is filled with this particular piece of equipment. He's like so <laughs> detailed. He's got really into it, right? Yeah. And it's growing. It's I think we're up to like 20 minutes D&D, which is starting to become a bit, uh, I don't know. I, think, I, I suspect the segment is growing too <laughs> it's large. Gonna be a full, it's going to be like the episode of Unplugged Radio where they just did a D&D session like with the voices and everything. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, Kyle, what have you been working on apart from obviously your job, which is kind of your hobby also? That's the thing is when, when you actually start working in the industry, uh, when you go to do hobby from the stuff that you talk about and do all day long, it becomes a lot harder to do it. And several people warned me that that was going to happen, but I, I didn't really expect that it was going to take the same toll that it really has taken. But I am working on Twilight Kin Army, uh, same as you. And like I said, I'm using those sculpts from Mantic, the original ones from first edition. I was able to get the original Mikhail, like you have um, the sorceress that was, you know, that original sculpt. And she's actually the one that I'm painting up right now. I've done the Shadow Hulk that I posted up. I've done the Impalers. And then I also have that huge task in front of me of doing two uh, spear hordes, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Those things are really nice elements. Um, I enjoy the Night Stalker elements as well. I'm, I'm trying to make use of fiends, even though I'm not sure they're, they're the best choice. You guys will probably find uh, through the chat here that I am the everyman hobbyist as opposed to the super competitive one. I like stuff but just because I like it and I put it in the army because I think it's cool and it belongs. Not necessarily it's the most competitive choice, but I'm OK with that. I enjoy that part of the hobby aspect because I, I really like the idea of seeing fiends painted up and on the table. So I'm sticking with them where I think that there could be better options. Like you're you talked about the archers that are in the box. Um, I'm going to use them as glade stalkers, even though they're probably not the best option uh, that I'm using them for as chaff. I still think that it's a possible thing. And I, I'm warning about that hobby aspect because that box is very hobby intensive you essentially have to clip off the heads from the elf sprue and do it cleanly enough that you can glue on the metal head and then the metal cape and the metal arms and and there's there's a lot of trimming and a lot more advanced hobby work than just putting a kit together and you know heads arms glue done it's there's quite a bit more to it especially if you're going to start trimming the bases and gluing them on a multi-base or something like that so uh it's not that's that's a reason why they're not still on the uh, Mantic webpage. Yeah, M- Mantic models have come a very, very long way. Yes. Definitely. Although I don't have any sympathy for the, oh, you know, it's really different when you work. Martin doesn't seem to mind. He pays about three armies every like month. He's so fast. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Elliot, how about you, mate? I'm painting Twilight King. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, this is unlike... Fred, where it is only non-Mantic Army, this is going to be my first all-Mantic Army. I have so much old Warhammer and old models in my garage that when I fancied a new army uh, about a year ago, I just went into the garage and built an army from the spare models I've got lying around. So this is my my first actually going to the Mantic store and buying an army. I'm quite excited about it. The the elf models, when I actually got them in my hands, are much nicer than some of the horror stories I've heard about, especially the Palace Guard models. I really like those, and I'm using them for Impalers. The only problem I've got so far is I've finished two units, my Archer Horde and my Impalers, and I've now dropped both of those from the list that I'm taking in September to Germany. Uh, so basically, I, I have nothing painted for my army. <laughs> so as we speak, I'm sat here painting horses, and I absolutely hate painting horses. Oh, I don't yeah. know why. There's just something about horses that I can't stand. So I've got 16 horses on my painting table. And with you, I'm, I'm going to try and get base coated as we do this. Yeah, horses. I think it, I, I do like the Mantic horse sculpts, but there's something about it. I think it's the way the, the the flesh is kind of broken up by straps. It makes them quite difficult to paint as well. Yeah. So, uh, it's not even just Mantic horses. I just have a, I have a for some reason, hatred of painting any horses ever. I painted mine which red, which seemed to really help. I don't know why. <laughs> Well, I, I am heavily using contrast paints. <laughs> cool. So that's awesome. So we're pretty much all working on Twilight Kin, apart from Fred. So let's um, let's plunge into the main topic and talk a little bit about Twilight Kin. Um, so they are on the in the Uncharted Empires as a theme list for the elves. 
And there's not a huge amount of background in there. It's just a couple of pages, really, uh, most of which is dealing with Mikhail, who's kind of uh, the most exciting of, uh, I suppose, the characters there. But we know that they live in a place called the Mouth of Leith, or the Pit of Despair, which was born from the cataclysmic events that spawned the God Spark, the God War. They are not a numerate people. They preserve their stock by using horrors and demons that they feel a connection to. So they use all the evil summonable elements of the world to bolster their numbers, which is why you don't see many elves in what is supposed supposedly an elf army at least that's the excuse and then there's a great big start a long thing about um mikhail about how amazing he is and all that kind of stuff so guys any thoughts on the background it's fluffy when you bring a lesbian no elves in it <laughs> exactly we're just like being sympathetic <laughs> to the fluff, right exactly yeah i i really like the background as you say there's, there's not a whole lot to it which actually i i quite like because i like being able to it gives enough framing for that you can then put your own stories against it. One thing that I think is just touched on in the the background, which a shame isn't maybe expanded more in the models, is there's uh, the Twilight King that do venture further afield tend to be pirates and slavers, and it would be cool if that could be represented in the game more. But yeah, I really like the idea of a a very small population that has to bolster its forces by sacrificing and summoning demons and night stalkers and whatever allies it can around them and so that the elves you do have in combat are the actual the elite and that they'll throw a wave to wave a demon at you before you'd ever get close to actually fighting a proper elf i was thinking i mean isn't this army all linked to that story in uh, in second ed uh, which probably is in the third ed book as well about the whole uh, deal with uh Oscan fooling that elf um, those elf sorcerers into the void and you know shattering their souls and breaking the Fenulian mirror and all this you know splitting the celestials in two all that is connected to the twilight yes. thing, isn't it yep so sure. i mean they, they have a really rich background um that's actually not very it's not really mentioned upon in their um in their army list here in the uncharted empires it's actually just one small sentence that kind of hints to it and that is um, the sentence that, uh, let's see, where is it? It's like something about, uh, oh yeah, the void twisted monsters formed by the shreds of their ancestors form the core of their armies. Right. So that's, that's, that's the point, isn't it? Night stalkers are supposed to be the twisted souls of the elves that were doomed, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So this is like a continuation of that whole, I mean, the whole very long uh, uh, this their story is like re- is reaching like all the way back to the to the celestial split and all that. So it's actually really cool. And I remember we had a chat on the we had we have a Norwegian podcast as well, and we used to chat about this uh, like we could chat about this for uh, for a long time and just go into a, like oh I wonder if their souls are still alive in the void somewhere. Do you think they'll come back sometime? And this is way before sort of Twilight Kin were a thing. And uh, we were so excited about which way Mantic were going to go and uh, if they were going to like bring them back out of the void. And if they did, would they still be like sentient? Would they have any recollection of their old selves? And um, I remember I had this theory that they're probably most of them are probably like mindless and destroyed. But wouldn't it be cool if like the the greatest minds were still kind of you know re- remembering their elf past? Um, I feel like that's the Somehow the Twilight Kin have regained like a connection with these spirits and uh, in some way formed a communion with them and kind of they're able to like pull them back out of the void now instead of them being like, you know, trapped forever and lost forever. And 
as a fluff fan, I really love uh, that angle about this army. For me, that's kind of my main, you know, it's kind of a goose goosebumps thing to think yeah. about, really. Oskin really instilled this terrible sort of desire and, and need to know what was in those sort of interdimensional pathways. It's described as being like this tree that connects other dimensions and worlds. And they slowly had their souls sort of led further and further from reality. And they became really obsessed with it uh, all the way to the point where the mirror shattered. And that's where, you know, they were stuck, you know, in those places. But my personal army's drive is, is essentially to kind of find and recover more of those secrets. And they're still trying to find, the things that Oscar was showing them, but uh, they've they've lost you know connection with him in that sense, that at least in the way that their ancestors did. So they're they're trying to find even more knowledge that drives them into those places and and can find the beings and, and things that are out there that great unknown in the dark. Basically, it's just it, that's something that's yeah. really appealing to me. Yeah, I think that's the reason why, and I'm jumping a bit here, but I think that's why the Soul Bane heroes have the dread special rule. I imagine mm-hmm. that, that that's like a part of the of the void that they've brought out with them. Like it's like they've it's like they've visited like uh, the warp, and they they have this aura around them that sort of like they pulled something back out with them. <laughs> right. I like this. I'm playing a, a narrative campaign at the moment with um, Mike Sutherland and uh, and uh, Kelly McMillan and a couple of other guys, and I'm playing Twilight King in there, and I have. I, <laughs> So it started off with Mikhail had, had spent, uh, he'd gone back into the void. So he'd gone into the abyss and he'd kind of, he'd come out kind of powered up because your general was powered up. I have slightly veered off now and he's uh, taken a tendency to um, force his entire army to listen to um, hours of emo poetry. Because I kind of figure that the emo elves, they are the most emo and he's uh, he's using uh, terrible poetry to like command his, uh, and of course all these summoned guys have to sit and listen. All the elves are sitting around kind of with their heads in their hands going, why is he like this? But I kind of originally, I kind of like the idea that he's kind of the the master of the abyss and using the souls of his ancestors. But um, oh, and did you see uh, this artwork on um, page ninety nine of uh, Uncharted Empires? Yeah, I noticed that. It's like a Twilight Kin elf kind of cuddling this butcher. <laughs> you see that? This guy's hand, like yeah, good boy, patting him on the head, and he's like, yeah, yeah. Best time ever. <laughs> also, check out that elf's abs. I mean, God, he has been working out. He needs he's ripped, some... Yeah. yeah, he's ripped. I love how the butcher is holding the axe. Like, even though he's being cuddled, he's still ready to go. He's got his little pet snake, and he's got his kiss makeup on as well. It's, uh, it's a strong look. Awesome. <laughs> I just want that to be a real model. That's all. If only you had the power to I know. develop any form of mantic strategy, Karl Przlinski. Uh, it's like we commissioned artwork for something like that to happen it's you know you would think that they would they would do something with it if that was the case (sighs) well maybe someone might be able to tell us sometime in the future you can write some rules for it elliot and then carl can make the model and then uh, me and fred will just buy it and that's fine do it do it (laughs) right so that being said we talked a little bit about why we play these armies and we talked a little bit about our armies so Let's talk about the special rules. So it's an evil army, and the army special rule, which is not really an army wide, and I wish they wouldn't call them that rules committee. Just like I say, um, but the special rule for Twilight King I kind of like, which is called Scream Shard. Um, it's only available for I think three units um, in the army. So once per game, before the unit rolls to damage in melee, you may choose to give them Life Leech two for the remainder of the turn. So it's a one-use item. It costs five points. I think only the Impalers, the Soul Bane, 
Is it just the Impalers and the Soulbane can take it? I think so. It's mm, almost two units. Yeah. So two units. But I, I like it. I think it's a decent rule. It's certainly better than the Elf one. Um, the Assassin can too. Oh, the, oh assassin. the Assassin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's less valuable than the Assassin because he's more likely to get shot. Sure. Um, but for the for the Soulbane, it's a, so basically it, it effectively takes the Soulbane up to a 15, 17 nerve. So long as you're careful with him, and it, you know he's, he's not going to get hit by something that'll kill him in one go. So I, I, I really like it on, on him. It's a, a bit of a shame it can't be taken a little bit wider, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a good rule. I think it would be really nice on blade dancers, especially with the fearless nerve. I tend to use it on my impalers if I have the extra five points, ten points, if I'm taking two regiments to to spare. Uh, but I agree, it is perfect and fantastic on the soulbane. Yeah, I've started taking it on. On anything I can take it on, pretty much. I don't run assassins, but my latest list has got it on both my you know impalers and on the on the solving. Just for that reason, it's just that fantastic because they've all got relatively low nerve. But for a hero to go up to that kind of level of, of nerve for the points that he is, I think it's just a really great a great addition. So it's worth noting it's a theme list of the elves. So you can take units on the master list, and we will go through them as we go through the list. But we'll just list them out really quickly. You can take. Kindred Tall Spears, which are garbage. Kindred Archers, uh, Kindred Glade Stalkers, uh, which are irregular in this list. Silver Breeze, irregular. Therenian Sea Guard, which are irregular. Bolt Thrower, Dragon Breath, uh, ASB, and the Elven Prince. They're all takeable in this army, so we'll come to those as we go through. We're going to go through section by section. We're going to take a few units each. We're going to talk about them, uh, their stats, um, the, their role in the army, talk about a little bit how much, you know, whether we use them or not what size, and then if you want to add any um, artifacts. So, Kyle, are you ready to kick us off with the infantry? Let's do it. All right. So, first one in the list is the Kindred Tall Spears. Garbage! And garbage! They're absolute... Sorry, carry on. Carry on. Steve uh, kind of shares an opposite opinion, I think, of the rest of us, but uh, Tall Spears can be taken in three sizes, troop, regiment, and horde. Uh, fairly similar, except the uh, unit strength obviously jumps up to four on the horde, which is fairly important. The attacks are a little bit higher than standard on a lot of these, uh, just because they have the spears, which is what you'll see across the game. But 30 attacks in the horde, 15 in the regiment, and 12 in the troop. Standard 10-12 nerve for 90 points in the troop, 14-16 and 140 in the regiment, and 21-23 for 230 in the horde. Speed 6, standard L speed, Melee four, defense four, no ranged attack, uh, elite, which is the key here in my opinion, and phalanx, of course, because they are spearmen. Keywords are elf and kindred, so nothing really all that special there, especially in this list. Uh, standard height two infantry, but I love these guys. I think that they are fantastic, and they're a core in every single list that I make, to be perfectly honest. I also love them. Steve's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's not unusual. <laughs> Go on, go on, go on. You tell you him why you like them, and I'll tell you why I don't like them. Um, I, I I take them as hordes, usually. Hordes are not at all, is how I, I tend to use them. Um, the damage output on these is ridiculous for a unit that's also very defensive. Against Defense 5, when you give them the Brewer Strength, they do one less damage than a Palace Guard horde, but they also have Phalanx. It's the Elite on 30 attacks. You just yeah. It's weight of dice. And then you can throw a Bane Chant onto them and the speed's six, so we can't get away from them, the big wide frontage. I dropped a, a horde of fiends to fit these into my list, and I was worried at first I'd I'd lose that hammer unit and then realize that the spearmen are far more hammery than the fiends could ever hope to be. They're just incredible. It's just the you, amount of attacks in the lead. Yeah. Like that's yeah. and, th- and then when, when you factor in all that nerve and phalanx and you've got drain life running around yep. to heal them back. 
Yeah, they're, they're, these are actually one of the killiest things in the list. Yeah. Which is, yeah, they're, they're just such reliable damage. You know, when, you, when you're rolling that many attacks with Elite, you, you can you guarantee that as long as you've got Brostrength or Burnchant on them, they're going to do seven or eight damage to pretty much anything every time. And they'll take a punch back and, yeah, they'll they'll wipe things in one go. I have played a game against this British chap where they got triple charged and survived. It was great. Fred, where do you stand on the, the tool spear? Uh Debate. It's not really a debate, really, because it's only me. Well, uh, I use them, but kind of, uh, mostly out of necessity to get unlocks. I'm not, I mean, I, I've never been either super displeased or super pleased with them. I feel like they do they do an okay job, and uh, they kind of just need to be in every list to to unlock, basically. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, they're not, they're not bad, but they're... They're they're a bit uh, I don't know they're a bit dull you know they're normal elf spearmen you'd wish to see something more spicy in the Twilight King list I think well I say I suppose for me I'm coming from a playing a lot of human armies so coming, I play a lot of Basilians Order of the Brotherhood you know things like that where so these are spicy for me because they've got speed six and elite <laughs> so they're they're a step above already I, I'm I, I take a spear horde happily when it's at speed five and you no know, elite and so to give them those extra rules just tips them over for me um, <laughs> yeah you set the bar low enough these are awesome <laughs> right yeah so but i think that's what i think i fred you've kind of hit on part of the reason i don't i understand the arguments and why they're, they're decent enough and there's a couple of reasons i don't like them um i think we all agree i mean would you ever take a troop out of interest i actually I'd, probably might because because of the potential at 90 points uh to double those 12 attacks you know, in a flank, just, you know, if there's something that gets ignored, that's not too bad. Yeah, I just can't imagine you'd take a troop over Impalers, right? So you same 12 attacks, but on threes with Crush 1, right? Just, for, nine, just... for 110 and 90, yeah, I would take the Impalers for sure. I feel like uh, Spearman, Spearman troops are like, uh, it, it, they seem like a joke to me. It's like, uh, whoever takes a Spearman troop? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. So the reason I don't is because they are, so I was an elf player, right, in version 2. And the first tournament I ever played was Elves. And I played the Green Lady formation quite a lot. So you had the Horde of Spearmen and the two Palace Guard regiments. So having moved to Palace Guard Hordes now, they're so hammery that Spearmen do feel really dull to me. And I almost resent that they're the best Horde on unlock that, that we've got in Twilight Kin. And I kind of, I, I hate being forced... equally as hammery. Yeah, well, yeah, no. Because if you're a good player, you might be good at avoiding terrain. I'm not. Um, so if I'm charging first, and the problem with this, I play against a lot of guys who play speed five armies, which means your tool spears tend to get the first charge because you're speed six, and that means you're nearly always hindered, which means you're hitting on fives, and suddenly your thirty attacks on fives just aren't doing the work that you wanted them but to that, be doing. That's ten hits plus elite, probably about twelve, thirteen hits. That's huge. It's but without crush, I do you know it's just there are better give him, options. Give him for me. strength. <laughs> but uh, well, that's another thing because a lot of people, particularly in the thread that I posted, were saying, "Oh, the default is hammer of measured force, not brew of strength." Oh, I see. I, I mean, there's a, a bigger argument. I, I really think the hammer is a trap every single time. Yeah. I, I don't see why you pay points for something that, at best, fifty percent of the time is doing nothing, and sometimes is making you worst. Exactly. Because you get into some rabble or something, and you're like, "Oh, great! Now I'm hitting even worse." Or, or if you're hitting on falls anywhere, then you're paying points for nothing. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah. So I, I resent being forced down a route where I have to take a very, and it feels like an elf unit. And I don't think Twilight Kin and elves 
despite being a theme list, it's a really different feeling list. If you're bringing hordes of elves, it very much feels much more elvish and much less Twilight Kin. And Twilight Kin, I think, yeah. have got some great units, and you don't necessarily need a horde unlock um, to take them. So that's kind of why I was in it. I, I get that they're all right, but they're just all right. There's better things. I was going to say, that, that, that's more of a wider issue with Twilight Kin and unlocks, which we'll definitely come on to, than the unit itself of Tall Spears. Because you don't have to take Tall Spears in your list. I, I didn't take them for a long time, and I've actually put them in now. I've got more unlocks than I need, which is absolutely unheard of in Twilight Kin. But I've I've replaced units to get Tall Spears in because they're so killy and so defensive and just work so well. But I, I take your point that you know, I think a lot of people feel they have to have tall spears in for unlocks, where I don't think you necessarily do. Uh, but you just got to get a bit more creative with using your other unlocks elsewhere. Absolutely. I do occasionally run a list, and the list I'll talk about later, which was written for me, um, has a regiment of them in because they are very good for sitting on. That phalanx is particularly good. You know, if you've got a regiment of phalanx, 140 points is great if you put them opposite your your opponent's cavalry because then they're not necessarily going to die which is very, very annoying if you're using them almost as a, as a quasi-chaff unit, um, although we do have better chaff options. So that's, that's my thinking. But um, I'm, I've been toying a bit with uh, doing spearmen, or I mean the tall spears in regiments as well, just because they have this... I mean, since they have phalanx, they might survive, even if they get charged by certain things, because most people just go for the horde by default, right, for, for the nerve and the, the volume of attacks. But um, I feel like it's a bit interesting to try the regiments so you don't waste... If you're going to spend the game just sitting on the token, then you're paying less, sort of. So um, that's one thing. And also, but I agree with the, um, with that, you know, the, the, that they're a bit dull. And I wish kind of that instead of just saying that they could use tall spares, I wish they'd kind of just written a, a, a new unit for uh, Twilight Kin that was like, Almost identical, but maybe had like vicious, and maybe also the the the, the shard, you know, for the life leech too. It would be, be really cool if they just had a little bit of a twilight kin flavor. I think. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's that's absolutely right because it it just feel it feels so elven, and the twilight kin's fluff makes it very clear that they are really separate from the elves. While they're from the same stock, they've gone a very different route. So. I can't imagine they would still have held on to the military tradition of having tall spears. It doesn't. It doesn't feel twilight kin to me. Fine, we'll, t- we'll take them out of the list. We'll make them a regular. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. that'll make you super popular. Yeah. So, Kyle, what's next? My favorite unit. Oh, now we're going to go on to impalers. Impalers are also a fantastic, obviously flavorful unit for Twilight Kin. Uh, another infantry unit, so same as the tall or the tall spears, uh, speed six, melee three plus though here, and defense four plus still. Uh, only available in a troop and a regiment, so unit strength one and three for the regiment. Twelve attacks in the troop, fifteen attacks in the regiment, so marginal difference there. Nerve though, big difference: ten twelve for the troop, fourteen sixteen for the regiment, and difference of one ten for the troop and one seventy as far as points. These guys have crushing strength one and elite of course, and the option like we said before for the scream shard for five points. I really like impalers. I really like impalers because that melee three makes a difference. If you're rubbish at the game, like me, um, and you you mess up in terms of terrain and and stuff, being able to give that impact and i want to i was playing the regiment um as having 12 attacks for quite a long time and i still liked them uh, because i'm not very good but um 
I think they're just a really efficient unit. And a lot of people are saying, oh, I wish we had hordes. No, because that just makes them palace guard. They're kind of like a really punchy, nice, maneuverable unit. I really do like the regiments here. I know early on you were taking troops and we're seeing some success for them. I took uh, in my first iterations of my list, I took regiments and troops. I took a, you know, one of each in each battle group. So I take a regiment and a troop and the troop essentially I took as sort of the screen or the chaff, the first charge for it, because I found that that 12 attacks could actually get some damage in before the regiment had to get stuck in. But too often they got tripped up over each other. So I stopped doing that. But I did find quite a bit of value in that troop with 12 attacks. Similar in, you know, the next unit we'll talk about where these units having 12 and 15, if they had 10 attacks, it's not nearly as worth it all of a sudden. But that little bit of a difference, you know, you start looking at the the offensive output that you can get in that 110 point profile for 12 attacks at three up to hit. It's it's still pretty valuable in troop size. But the 15 attacks in the regiment with the 14, 16 nerve gives you the chance to survive at least one round of combat. Maybe. Yeah, probably. Maybe my first iteration of a, of a TK list had, um, I had four troops of impalers in it and you, you were able, if you positioned it correctly to get nice flanks and suddenly you got 24 attacks. Yeah. Um, on threes for one ten points is just is just money, but I did move away from that just because it was it, it wasn't really working. I know you've had a love hate relationship with impalers, right? I I think impalers are an excellent unit, but I think you've got to build your whole army around them to make them work. So you need chaff delivery systems for them because they are just so fragile for the amount of points they are. I, I used to, I, I've had a few games where I took one regiment and that was just wasted points. It wasn't doing anything. Because the rest of my army could all take a hit. It was butcher hordes and horsemen. They were all out to they could all survive individually where the the impaler just became the obvious target and just delete them in one go from any kind of shooting whatsoever. So if you're building a whole list around them, they're they're really good and they're really killy and they say those fifteen attacks at melee three will will do a lot of damage, but they just can't take a punch back at all. You know, we were just saying there that a spearman regiment with phalanx might survive on the charge well these have got the exact same defensive stats but don't have phalanx you know for 140 70 points that can just die to one very minor attack back i, I struggle with them because they don't fit my play style i think but I, I i can i've seen people do very well with them and i think you can build if you build your whole list around them i think they can be very good but, 14 you know. 16 nerve on regiments tends to be in kind of a hard spot right now in the meta. Yeah. And especially with no fury and no wave of mitigation yeah. and no, and defense four and yeah. And they're, they're a bit harder to heal with drain life than some of the Chrome bound stuff. And there's just, for me, there's, there's too many reasons not to take them when other things in the list can do the same job as them, but better. Fred, do you take impalers? Yeah, I do, mostly because I had lots of models for them. Um, and I like that they have these stats, like the 15 attacks with the crushing. It's, 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 for me, it's like obviously the halberd, right? So it's like the black guard of the old models. And it gives you a reason to use those old like Dark Elf halberdier models. Uh, but I do agree. I mean, in theory, the uh, Life Leech 2 you could argue that they kind of have nerve 16, 18 because of that, uh, which is what I've been kind of um, uh, telling myself when I've fielded them. But uh, I've also been disappointed when they have been like double charged and one shotted. So uh, it's not always it's not always that you get to use the scream shard because they might die before they get to use it, and then it, it kind of feels like 
yeah, like like a mistake. Um, but uh, I took the yeah. sorry, just I took the Impaler Regiment to two tournaments, so eight games in total, and I got to use the Scream Shard once. Either, yeah, exactly. I think one game they didn't take any damage, and the rest of them they were either shot off or killed in one go. Yeah. I, I played a game yeah. just this morning, um, and I got to use the Scream Shard, so I was really excited. <laughs> Um, they got shot by a war engine and took a fair amount of damage and they went straight in, scream sharded it off and uh, then drained life to the rest. So it, it, they can work. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like you, you you wish there was like a rule in the game. I mean, there isn't uh, as far as I know, but if there was a rule that was like first time they do, uh, first time they hit the route value, then they count as plus two or something. That, that could have been like, a, you know, kind of a plus two nerve, but it, it would work in the enemy's turn. but as it is now, you have to survive, and then you have to strike to use it. So, you know, you, there's just so far away from uh, from a guaranteed use, sadly. Mm. They're still serviceable, though, I think. So, and plus, they are they feel very thematic for the list, unlike uh, garbage. Talk. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I prefer to take impalers just because it's more fun, kind of. But then again, I'm also a very like my army is very like fluffy and not necessarily the most competitive so you know i'm not going to win any tournaments with my list probably <clears throat> but um i do like bringing the impalers because they they do pose a threat and and i, I made some cool multi-based units so uh, uh, i even got to use the old um, models that when they have like really large swords like the executioners um because in the fluff for the impalers uh, it actually says that uh, the champions of the impalers are called executioners. So yeah, like, I, liked, I liked that as a almost yeah. like a, a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I have this one regiment of impalers, which I uh, take the brew of strength on, and then I use, and, and those are the old executioner models. And I know that's probably suboptimal, but it's really fun to have them like go into someone with crushing two, mm. and uh, yeah. That's fun. A bit of a fluff, fluffy. But it's two hundred points. What a defense oh. for yeah, fourteen sixteen regiment that's going to die to a good lightning bolt hit. But it's so fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one of the few units that survived from version two, it feels. Uh, Kyle, the blade dancers. Blade dancers. Uh, here's our faster infantry. Obviously, uh, speed seven here is a big difference. So speed seven on them, melee three plus again. Uh, defense degraded down to three plus because we imagine these as naked people. Uh, unit sizes are troop and regiment, just like the impalers. The troop and regiment are both unit strength one and three. The attacks in the troop is 15. Pretty good. Nerve on both of them, uh, Fearless 12 in the troop for 135. And then you get 20 attacks for the regiment at uh, Fearless 16 Nerve for 205 points. The Elite Special Rule still comes over from the Elf trait, and then they get Thunderous Charge instead of Crushing 1. They are pricey, right? Yeah. They are very pricey. And they're like, so... Uh, I really, I really like the idea of... A, the Speed 7 infantry is fearsome that's nearly kind of your um, yeah. baringa style right but i i love the idea of this unit i really do i want to love it but they're pricey i mean yeah. defense, two or five in that regiment's a lot defense three two I, I mean i tried and tried to find a way to put these into my list but 205 you can you can have so much more <laughs> right? you, can have a, you can have a horde of fiends <laughs> yes i have 
they have more attacks. I know they're not elite and thing, but they've got crushing, they've got speed eight, they've got stealth, they've got defense ball, they've got more nerve. <laughs> they've got yeah. I mean, they're an unlock, which is nice. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and Twilight can really struggle for them. They there is merit in troops of them. I've I've had a few games where I've checkerboarded a couple of troops of them, uh, in with other stuff. And when you've got lots of other targets that people have to engage with first, these guys flying out, either in flanks or in the front, actually, can be really powerful. You know, fifteen attacks. Well, they're, they're an impaler regiment. Mm-hmm. They charge off. You know, we're just saying how how much we like those in, you know, for in combat at the front. But yeah, the, the regiment is very hard to justify when you've got that. That two or five puts them in the same point bracket as fiends and uh, abyssal horsemen, and it's just very hard to justify there. Uh, if they had stealthy built in, I could see that more, um, yeah. or crushing rather than thunderous, or yeah. <laughs> I think the troop actually makes a, a great, you know, second line cleanup unit late game. Mm sort of stuff um that speed seven really makes them shine there and if if you can keep them protected well enough especially from shooting or you know anything that could just pick off a easy dash 12 uh they're they're a great late game or second wave cleanup like you said checkerboard sort of deployment with them and, and just get them getting them in a way that they could eventually do some decent damage if there's some merit like you said in that 135 troop 135 for a troop though um I'm not being still. That is really brave. Fred, you're, you're obviously the fluffy gamer amongst us. Do, do, do Blade Stance, have you, have you got some models for them? Do you see that? Do they see use? Uh, yeah, sure. They do. Hey! Uh, <laughs> so, uh, my old, my, I mean, my old uh, Twilight Kin army was always like a yellow theme. So, these, these units are a mix of uh, the old witch elves and the old war dancers, all painted with like yellow hair to match each other. So uh, they're like uh, war dan- uh, no what did I say war, war dancers and witch elves, um, so they're a mix of those uh, models, uh, and uh, well I I just love to push them forward and they're a big threat. But sure yeah they're super pricey and um, it's like they it's like they need to be babysitted somehow. They either need a screen in form of a either I don't know in like a gargoyle troop or. A, one of those needle fangs, perhaps, or uh, or if you're going really fluffy, you could do a summoner crone on a horse and with the veil of shadow spell to cast that stealth aura. But then you're really paying a lot of points to uh, to give these um, blade dancers stealth stealthy. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, I think we're we're very much all singing from the the same hymn tree <laughs> when it comes to blade dancers. I've, you know, but I know that I, I, I kind of get the feeling, and I'm not going to push that they're on the list to to be looked at um, uh, come the, the newest update. And I'm really hoping that they get something something that makes them just more usable because it would be great uh, to you. Plus, my impaler models are kind of very much multi-purposeable as blade dancers, so uh, I can just kind of whip them over and say, "No, yeah, these impalers. No, no, they're not impalers. <laughs> these are definitely blade dancers." Just halfway through the game. In second edition. These guys had 20 and 25 attacks, and I think it was for the exact same points. Yeah. And it, to me, that obviously changed quite a bit. You know, we, we saw a reduction in almost all the units. I think the Soul Reaver Infantry and the Reapers were like the only two units that didn't get that bump down from 25 and 20 to 15 and 20. I think this is a unit that should have maybe qualified for that 20 and 25. And and if you kept everything else the same, then maybe we we've got something. There was a formation, wasn't there, for Blade Dancers in version 2, I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, 
they could I think they could be taking like late stalkers too and they would get some kind of a stealthy possibly mm, something like that anyway but that's gone anyway we, we don't live in the past we live in the present did you notice that the, the needle fangs also have speed 7 that's a perfect yeah. screen nice well shadowhounds are speed 10 so oh 9 rather <laughs> anyway we've wang got about infantry enough let's move on to heavy infantry Elliot let's talk about the best chap in the game yeah, pretty much. Uh, and these are better than usual. So the the one heavy infantry choice for Twilight King are chrome-bound gargoyles. So these are gargoyles, everybody knows them. So they've, they only come in troops. Uh, they have 10 attacks. They are 8, 10 nerve, uh, 85 points with fly, nimble, and regeneration 4+. plus. So they're, they're regular gargoyles, except they're technically better in this list because they're also chrome-bound, which means they can be inspired by the... Summoner Crones, and if you ever need to, you can fling your Drain Life Heal 18 inches onto them. Yeah, they're, they're just fantastic chaff. Um, what I also love about this unit is that they lost Vicious from the old edition, but they gained two attacks, uh, which actually is a better trade, usually. Uh, ten attacks means you can't ignore them in your flank, and you definitely can't ignore them in the rear. I, I really like using my gargoyles offensively. You don't always need them as chaff. I, I always take two troops. And I tend to have one as chaff and then one that will just flank, go down one flank and be be in a, an offensive pain um, that someone's either got to turn a lightning bolt to deal with that's not shooting at the rest of your army. Or if you can't deal with it, then you're going to get flanked or reared. And 20 or 30 attacks is, is a lot at melee 4. I always include at least one. Right. I, was just, I can't imagine any Twilight King army that doesn't feature gargoyles. I'm not sure there's any list that can take gargoyles that doesn't feature at least one. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're just really really good I, I think they're they're fine balance wise the 810 nerve means that a single point of damage is gonna you know odds on wave of them mm. just mind fog um, <laughs> just mind fog yeah they are mind foggable yeah yeah I've done that I've killed things with mind fog on turn one just for laughs but uh... what, what I do like about gargoyles is I'm sure that they statistically speaking attract more double ones than any other unit yeah <laughs> And, and usually when they've taken an absolute ton of damage and then they regen all of it back. They're not quite as broken as they were in version 2, but they used to be regen 3, which was yeah, crazy. Yeah, and, and more nerve. Yeah, so I think I think they're fine uh, balance-wise. They're just very, very usable. Very, very usable. So, um, large infantry. So on to another, the flavor of the month unit to the point where yeah. people are allying this unit in from Night Stalkers, right? So we get them in our lists. I just wish we they were uh, regular. So, Elliot, sorry. So, yeah, chrome-bound butchers. So these are slightly different to regular butchers uh, in that they, they don't get the uh, mind thirst special rule. So they are large infantry. Regiment is 9 attacks, fearless 15, which is absolutely excellent. Uh, horde is 18 attacks at fearless 18. They are speed 6, melee 4, and defense 5 with crushing 2 and stealthy. There are 200 points for a horde or 120 points for a regiment which is the exact same points as an Ogre Warrior horde regiment. They're a very, very, very good unit. Uh, regular Butchers are and Chromebound Butchers just as, as much, I think. They are five points cheaper than regular Butchers for losing the Mind Thirst special rule, which I think is probably a fair trade in the fact that because the Summoner Crones are, are so good that these you know can have the heels thrown onto them and be inspired by them. But I don't know what everyone else thinks about the five point discount for losing mind thirst. I love this unit. I love them in regiments and hordes. Um, very different roles, but yeah, they're they're just very very good. You really can't go wrong with them. I mean, no. they're they're pretty hard to screw up. 
at defense five and that that much fearless nerve, uh, whether you're taking them in hordes or regiments. I mean, the, the regiment is the the hot thing, the thick chaff right now. Uh, just because that's so hard to shift. You, you're you're going to cause a really good screen at height three uh, from shooting if you need to. And then defense five with dash 15 is just like, that's just, that takes some effort to actually take off. Yeah, I I, I love taking two hordes and then the two crones that can just fling heel across the board at them um, sure. for most of the game. You know, you, you're effectively, you might as well be, you know, fearless 20, 25 with the nerve that can heal off. They're so hard to kill in one go and they they punch back really, really well. There's not really much to not like about them. You know, the, the melee four can be slightly swingy sometimes, but... Yeah, but that's like any melee That's four. about it. I mean, yeah. I think this speaks a little bit to... I think there's two styles you can play with these guys and there are multiple styles across the Twilight. People have been saying, oh, there's only one Twilight King style. Not at all. Yeah, sure. You can have... You know, regiments are screens, and they are, you know, some of the best chaff in the game. Just, you know, speed six and defense five, like we've been talking about, and that dash 15 nerve. Or you can fearless. take yeah, I feel. hordes as I mean, crush two is, is pretty is super powerful in the current meta. Um, yeah. You know, and and that nice kind of big large infantry base means you can get some decent charges off. I think I think they're super. They they used to be surgible, but I don't I don't think losing that is any kind of loss. And as for as for the mind first, I think it's more that this is an appropriate price you pay in the Twilight King list. It's more that the mind thirst is perhaps worth a little bit more. Um, yeah, as a rule, but I don't I don't miss it terrifically apart from having to keep them inspired a, a bit more but you can yeah you can play them in hordes you can play them in regiments they're just fantastic fred take butchers mm, i've considered them i really like the the van i mean the models that came out for vanguard or the butcher models i mean um so i, I do like them and they're they're really solid absolutely i haven't actually any night stalker units in in the lists i've been running i've okay i i'll i'll, I'll admit it i'll come clean i'm using a hundred percent elf army only elves no monsters, no... Is that no I these. love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I do like these. I mean, they're, they're, they're solid. Um, I do react a bit when, when you see it now as their first, like, Night Stalker unit. You really notice the fact that they have stealthy, and you're like, oh, why doesn't Blade Dancers have stealthy? Um, and they're, the Defense 5 and stealthy, it's, it's like they don't the, need the, both the, of those. <laughs> the, the stealth is like a little add-on that you... They'd be an incredible unit at 200 points, and then without stealth, and it's like, oh, and you also you can't shoot them. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, you, you'd wish that anything with defense five, they shouldn't have stealthy, and like the blade dancers, I don't know, they should have made them like shadow dancers or something cool like that, and they should have had stealthy. <laughs> that would have been a much the, better. Yeah. Literally, the only downside I can see with butchers is that because they're so durable, it makes all the elves in your list look really flimsy in comparison and obvious yeah. targets, which is why I just can't get my head around Impalers. But Butchers are the reason for me that Impalers don't work, because with 30 points more, you're getting a fairly similar damage output, but your defensive stats are just through the roof compared to Impalers. I, yeah, they're, they're just very, very good in, in every possible way. I don't think there's a, a list that wouldn't be improved by taking them in the regiments or, or hordes. Yeah, I like a, a regiments. Regiments of butchers screening regiments of impalers works really nicely. They are the perfect impaler delivery system. Yeah. Um, aside from the fact that impalers, you have to do the proper checkerboard because impalers can't quite see over them because they're bigger. Um, but that does help with the screening. So you need to play them cleverly. But uh, I love it. Just love them. All right, Fred. On to the ranged infantry. Take us through 
to the, the, the again, the dullest option in the army, but please continue. <laughs> All right, it's time for the classic elf. Although their skills seem to have diminished, so they might be humans in disguise. It's the kindred archers. <laughs> or goblins. <laughs> <laughs> or anything, really. Yeah, so these are the standard archers, but they now hit on fives instead of fours. And that's my cat in the background. I apologize for that. She's also not happy about the archers, apparently. <laughs> Shut up, cat. Go away. And you can still do a horde of archers, but... I mean, no one really does anymore, I think. If you take archers now, it's probably for the unlocks uh, or just as like a nerve block to stand and hold their ground. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, they've been ranted so much about, so I, I don't want to be too negative about them. <laughs> could, could I be positive and say I really like them? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's hear it. So, so this is what I mean. So I think because I've, I didn't play Elves in version 2, and I didn't play Twilight Kid in version 2. So I'm looking at these purely as with no preconceptions and none of the history of the Elf Hordes. These are a really, really good unit for their points. 120 points for Defense 4, 14, 16 would be good in itself. It also has an elite shooting attack, and it's also speed 6. They're the perfect objective holders, these units. Um, you put them on an objective or you put them in a table quarter or you do that, and they will they'll shoot chaff and they'll get you know pot shots off all game. But they're 120 points. They're, they're dirt cheap for that much defense and nerve. Even the hard is fairly cheap for a hard unlock with defense 4 and 21, 23. And actually that many shots will do damage. You know, I'm... I'm Coming back again from somebody that's used to playing human armies, and I know that bow hordes do damage, and this one's got elite, and it's speed six when it needs to cross the board for invade or something like that. So I, I fully understand the loss people feel from compared to what elf shooting was, but if you forget what the archer horde was uh, and look at this unit with fresh eyes, it's really, really good in troops, regiments, and hordes. But yeah, I, I do understand where the where the pain comes from when you when you look at what you used to get with your piercing you know range four plus elite hard which no longer exists um, uh, i do i did notice that they actually wrote a bit in the in like the twilight kin background it seems like almost like a justification for this uh, range stat of five plus because now they're actually talking about some sort of uh, some sort of levy uh, that in times of need when all the when all the impalers are out, like on pirate raids, and 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 all the good fighters are gone, if these Twilightkin cities or whatever get attacked, then they actually have to call out like a citizen levy, and that seems to be the tall spears and the kindred archers uh, in the fluff. So actually, these uh, I get the impression that these are supposed to be like the untrained um, elf citizens that just sort of get handed a bow and get told to defend their home, sort of. That's actually right. So these are like the, the simpleton elves. These are co- the incompetent elves. These are the me's of the elf world, the, right? Just walking are, around like, huh? These are merchants and stuff. It's like, what do I do? <laughs> Is this a bow? <laughs> I like so, it. So, um, yeah. But, um, I mean, the range five in itself isn't that bad. It's just that I'm, I'm sure everyone just feels... I mean, in my opinion, at least, Kings of War is supposed to be played with a lot of terrain, or at least 
uh, I mean, uh, you've all seen the boards with the, if there's too many shooting lanes, and it's more interesting if there are, if there's like patches of terrain almost all over. At least that's how I how I feel. Um, and that's really like a messes. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, it's they, they never they very rarely shoot on fives in practice. It's always sixes. For me, it's always sevens. It's like uh, if at least there was some sort of upper cap, like they always uh, hit on fives or something like that, or sixes at least, then it would feel a bit better. But just the way the game mechanics work, and at least the even the moving into forests, that's that's almost the mo- most punishing rule now is like you yeah. move into a forest you get minus one for moving minus one for the forest it's like oh just don't bother rolling i mean the the, the shooting meta in general took a quadruple whammy in third edition yeah. you know it, it's the, the change to the cover rules the loss of shooting items the loss of bane chant and the fact that all of the shooting hordes went down to five plus maximum effectively so shooting did take that quadruple whammy uh, and that was very much as a response to the you know the the and chariots, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was a response to the, the the shooting meta that developed at the end of second edition. You know, for whatever your opinions are on that, you know, it, they did take the hit. And and I agree that these guys are not good at shooting anymore. And uh, most of the time they do hit on sevens because you're moving with them and shooting something in cover. If you just think of them as objective holders, you know, they're they're really good at that, and they're 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 really good value for points. And the fact that they have a shooting attack is a nice little extra bonus. In my yeah, opinion, they should, um, they should be called Kindred Archer Levy, and people would be like, "Oh yeah, okay, I, I expect yeah. them to be craps." Or yeah, <laughs> right, and then called the Glade Stalkers Archer Archers, right? And then and then we could go from there. Exactly. Yeah. If if you get rid of all the baggage of V two and you of what you've known before, look at these with fresh eyes. They're a really really good unit, but I, I know that I'm going to get get Lynch for saying that. <laughs> I think the regiment's fantastic. I think it's a really nice, you know, I'm, I'm just going to mirror all the things that you said, but that the 120 for the regiment for the 1416, it's really hard to to go wrong with that. I played a game against uh, Thomas and he also was playing Twilight Kin and, and he used just a regiment of archers. He essentially used him as, as chaff and objective. It was, he was holding the objective until he had to, but then when he absolutely needed to, threw him out in front of my shadow hulks and stopped a pretty, devastating charge if it could have gotten through otherwise so i mean it's hard to go wrong at 120 yeah and in, in troops yeah. the the little 90 point troops make wonderful chaff that that happens to shoot mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, a, I take it's those, a, actually. I take 90 them. points with unit strength you know 90 points yeah. it's the same with gargoyle troop and you can you can plonk them in a back corner or an objective and the enemy you know you have to do something about them and if you don't have a lightning ball and uh, Twilight Kin are a list with you know a lot of juicy lightning bolt targets in it. Usually the crones are going to be the obvious choice. So if you're having to waste a lightning bolt to shoot a, an archer troop, that's you're up really on points there, whether it, it dies or not. Yeah, you still take gargoyles though, right? Well, you take gargoyles as well. <laughs> gargoyles are mandatory. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've taken some troops just for that purpose, actually. Kind of a shaft. It's kind of an okay shaft as well. So should we move on, Steve, to the next unit? Yeah, which is even more misnamed because I kind of feel that no self-respecting Twilight King would be. I am a Glade Stalker, right? They'd be like <laughs> fierce stalkers. Anyway, continue. Yes. So these are elves that actually can shoot. You just need to unlock them first, and it's the Kindred Glade Stalkers, or as they are uh, in the fluff. If you kind of find it, uh, the fluff mentions the shadows which are kind of the assassins in training. And 
So this unit is kind of called shadows for a Twilight Kin. Uh, and these actually have a range stat of four plus. And uh, they are Pathfinder and Scout and Steady Aim, all the rules that you want with for your shooting units. And their only downside, of course, is some defense three plus. Uh, but otherwise, they are pretty good at shooting. And they they are pricier. The troop one thirty, regiments one seven five. I I just can't. I wouldn't bring myself to put them in a twilight kinnis because for that amount of points, I can afford much better units. But I am frequently wrong. What do you what do you guys think? <laughs> I, I mostly agree with that. I do take I take two troops. I, I have in some lists, not every time I play, but in some lists I've taken them just because I really enjoy the scout and then shoot. Just get some early damage. I, I think this is a list if you are gonna build it around elves, having the ability to put on some plink wounds from various sources early on so that those, you know, mitigated attack numbers on the other units, uh, once you actually do get into combat, are going to stick. Now, the obvious counter to that is if the enemy has any kind of a heals, it makes this completely worthless. But the nice thing is these guys can charge in and be just as effective uh, because that elite is applies to both their melee and their ranged, and they have Pathfinder, so they're going to be hitting on fours in combat. And, you know, 12-inch range for the charge, 24 on the bow. It gives you the chance to sort of do both options with them. And they're, they're really flexible in that sense. So I, I like them. I think that they are a little pricey. Identical stats and points to second edition. And they, I also used them in second edition. I took three of them in, in second edition. So similar, but still they are expensive and there probably are better options. Yeah. I, I In a vacuum, I really like them. But then you look at the Mind Screech, which is 150 points. And yeah. Shoots better and is more durable and is stealthy and has you know a lightning bolt. But I, I really like the idea. I want to like them more. I, I don't think Twilight Kin is the list for Gladstalkers to shine in. I think they they do better in other in other elf lists. Unlocks is such an issue with Twilight Kin at the moment that taking up some of your troop slots with Gladstalkers just feels like a waste. How far away do you think this unit would be to be actually regular? Like, uh, is it actually unbalanced like it is now? Do you think it could be a regular unit? I mean, I do notice they have a keyword that seems kind of unique. You might be able to work on that. <laughs> I think perhaps we, we can't ask uh, Mantic employees and members of the Rules Committee to comment on uh, <laughs> whether they're going to change the rules or something. But uh, I'm with you, man. I'm all over that. Let's. Uh, I think yeah. some of the worry for me was that if you made these regular, you'd end up with a Twilight Kin army that had uh, six of them. You know, just in a row, because that would just be very, very difficult to... to anyway, elite Pathfinder Scout. Let's just scout forward my six regiments of archers and then have 60 shots on fours. Enjoy. You know, I think that would be yeah. difficult to deal with unless you're Night Stalkers. Mm. So that might be some of the yeah. reasons, yeah. I can hear Elliot kind of agreeing, despite not being able to agree with me. <laughs> Shall we move on to, the, to your favourite unit, Fred? Yay! The favourite unit. They can fight. They can shoot. They're probably overpriced. It's the Sea Guard. <laughs> Which are like slave. These are slaver pirates, right? Not Sea Guards. They're not Therenian Sea Guard. These are Twilight slaver pirates, whatever they are, I assume. That's probably more close to the truth, yeah. So these are, of course, the classic uh, fluff choice. They, uh, they can both shoot and fight, which is a cool concept. They have melee of 4+. Plus which is actually on par with normal Troll's Bears. 
and their range is 5+, plus, which is on par with normal archers, and their attacks is somewhere in between. It's like more than archers, but less than spears. Um, and they do have phalanx, of course. So in theory, they're like a good defensive unit, and I, of course, use these. They are my favorite unit. I've always loved the sea guard concept of being able to do like both things. Stand on a token with your phalanx and shoot. What could be better? But the price is really, really high. They they probably costed right for all, all the stuff they can do. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the power of tournament gamer in me says, well, I don't want to pay points for something that I'm not going to be using half the time. But from a you know a fluffy perspective, they, they're a fantastic unit, and I I really like the idea of them. You know, this unit couldn't exist and cost any less than it does, really, because otherwise it then becomes the the perfect tool for every situation. But yeah, from from a, a purely tournament point of view, it's better to have your unit be one thing or the other. But from a, a fluff gamer point of view, these are a brilliant unit. I always look at them, but I've never actually taken them. Could yeah, help I... if they unlocked, you know, in the list, but... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so much not, better if they could unlock. They, they, they do unlock, do they? Do they unlock in the elf list? In the elf they list, they do in the elf list, but yeah. not in Twilight Kin. Yeah, right. So they're only five points less than Impalers, right? For the same nerve, slightly less attacks, less, and then melee four rather than three. But they gain Phalanx. They're still elite. Defense four. They and they've got a range attack. So I'm kind of looking at them and thinking, why am I taking Impalers? And I guess because of the style of army that I run, but. Seaguard, I think they're actually a viable choice. I'm kind of considering putting them in, just not in a horde, because 290 points is ridiculously yeah. high. The, the, the regiments, I think, are, are really good. The, the the horde is just a lot of points, but it's a lot of points because it does everything. You know, th- these were a really popular choice in version 2 because of um, one of the elven kind, Nimble, affecting their shooting as well. And you, you, you often saw a horde of these with the horde of archers with piercing, and this was the, the, the bulk of an elf list. You take that away from them now, and they're they're just they're just good at everything rather than over the top at anything. But yeah, I, I think regiments are, are solid. Hmm. Yeah, I have uh, two regiments in my list just to yeah be like on defensive duty, and it's always fun when they get charged. And just like the tall spears regiment, they they often survive a charge, and they just need a little help to you know to actually survive the second round of combat. But uh, and what nice yeah. is that. They keep the units around three and four. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for a shooting unit, most shooting units lose a unit strength. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have like spare level unit strength, so uh, they, it, it takes a lot for the enemy to actually run in and, and steal their token. They have to kill them mm-hmm. to take it because they'll probably have a higher number than the, than any quick uh, like fast cavalry or flyer or stuff like that. Yeah. I just wish they could take the scream shot. That would just make them that much more viable. You know, I'd happily. Well, would I happily? Because yeah. that would make them the same price as an Impaler Regiment, but you'd have the scream shot. Nice hmm. And it would be also be cool if they had like elite for everything, because then they would be yeah. even more better with yeah. everything. That's the thing that I I wish it was. I I, I wish they were they were like the Glade Stalkers and it was just elite. But then do they become too similar? Yeah. You know. Then they're just Glade Stalkers without Scout right. Pathfinder. Ah, they got and more expensive. And more expensive. Yeah. Yeah, it costs you more. 310 points for a horde. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give them stealthy as well. 350 points for a horde. 
As I like to say, close but no sea guard. Oh, gee, you, are, you know what? Why did I invite this? Uh... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, four minutes of D&D now. Uh, oh, no, all right. So let's move on to cavalry. So um, I'm going to take the cavalry section. And we have three options. One from each kind of pot. We've got like a, a summoned pot. We've got two. Uh, yeah. Okay, we haven't. We've got one summoned from the Night Stalkers, one summoned from the Abyssals, and one stolen from the Elves. So we have the Chromebound Shadowhounds to start. And they are irregular. They come in a troop and a regiment. They are speed nine, melee and defense four. Um, arranged, of course, uh, 10 attacks on the troop, 20 attacks on the regiment. Uh, with a nerve of 11, 13, and 14, 16. They're 120 and 185 points. They have all the rules. Nimble, Regeneration 5+, Stealthy, and Thunderous Charge 1. How do we feel about Shadowhounds? Or are we just putting them in the pot of why wouldn't you take Gargoyles? Yeah. they. For me, that they're sort of the, this weird in-between place of they're a little bit too expensive to be chaff and they're not quite killy enough to be a hammer unit. But you know they're they're a good point, a good bit cheaper than the horsemen, than the little horsemen. But they're nowhere near as punchy. They're a bit less defensive, but they're faster and nimble. I can definitely see a use for regiments of them. They're not nothing. I would just always either pay more points for horsemen or pay less points for gargoyles. Personally, I do like nimble on them. I think that's the real, the the big yeah. thing that you're getting here. They're they're right in line with the uh abyssal hellhounds and and you know those sort of units but 10 and 20 attacks is nice i think that there's potential there but i I, i'm you can tell even my voice right now as i'm talking about this i'm I'm so on the fence about them because there's times when i want to take them and i feel like they would be a great early game threat to kind of lock your opponent down because if you can charge off 18 inches and just lock somebody down at that you know early you know, if you're playing invade or something like that, they, it's it sort of jams them up in their own deployment zone, something like that. There's there's value there, but it, at the same time, um, I, I I don't know. I, I just I I can't really pull the trigger on actually taking them in my list. I like I I think they've got a use both in a true panel regiment. So, you know, you would always want to take gargoyles because they're cheaper, but. These guys are that much more durable. You can't shoot them off as easily. You can't, you know, even a lightning bolt because they're eleven thirteen, and they regen. So they're, and they're, they're stealthy. And they're still, so they're a great screen. If you if you've taken like an arch fiend or something, they're a lovely screen for an arch fiend. Um, and then a regiment. Really, we look at them. They're just cat, like cat screen and arch fiend. <laughs> I mean, just, the, yeah. they screen him. <laughs> yeah. though you can't charge him. I mean, so you, you can't know, charge you, him. Yeah, sorry. You yeah, bang them yeah. forward eighteen inches and stick the the arch fiend behind them. Yeah, yeah. That's so annoying. Whereas a regiment, I look at the regiment as kind of like super-powered flea bags, you know, flea bag riders from goblins, because they're speed nine, twenty attacks. Um, they've got two more nerves and regen and stealthy, and they hit just as hard. Um, now you're paying a price, but I compare them to fiends, right? Fiends aren't—they're twenty-five points more, and they're not that much more punchy. And these guys are much more like maneuverable. So I think they—you could build a list again around kind of these they're another one of these units that in a in a vacuum is a is a really good unit and i think it's it's only the presence of gargoyles and a bit of horseman for me that that tips it but but again that that's my tournament player brain of you know min maxing I, I want one extreme or the other and this unit sort of sits somewhere in the middle of that but it, it's definitely got a place it, it's it's definitely not a bad unit in any way shape or form and it's um 
if you really, really, you know, if you had 190 points left in your list somewhere, I can, you know, the, the, I can't see much else in the Twilight King list where this would, you know, wouldn't be a better choice, really. I think they work slightly better for the Night Stalkers than they do in Twilight King because Mind Thirst is really, really helpful in a unit like this that's yeah. going to be running off by itself. Yep. That's that's the thing that really hurts me here. Yeah. And we know Fred doesn't take them because they're not elves, and he only takes elves because he's so pure. <laughs> but exactly. the models of these are also gorgeous. So they are great uh, models. They are great models. Yeah, that, that was the was that's what I was going to say. That uh, it's kind of a more like a model choice. Maybe if you don't have any of the other units, if you but you happen to have a bunch of shadowhounds, then it's not that bad. I mean, twenty attacks, speed nine. Uh, so, um, so they might not be optimal, but uh, they could get you by if you're building another unit in the meantime or something. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that horrible. I mean, they're not they're not bad at all actually. If you can get these in a flank, forty attacks in the flank is just can't beastly. And at speed nine is you know people do mess yeah, up. Yeah, nimble them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think they're good. I'm you know, I'm thinking about them that I'd not considered before. Anyway, I do have um my list later's got a troop of them in. Um, and I've got some lovely Rune Wars minis. Sorry, Manta Christ. We, you know, which I just don't know what to do with them. And they just are perfect for this. So it's worth thinking about. Anyway, on to the superstars of the Twilight Yay. Inn. The most fantastic <laughs> unit, which I just love more and more. Um, it's the Cronebound Abyssal Horseman. So they are Speed 8, Melee 3, Defense 5. So this is a really... I, I love this. This template appears again and again through a lot of armies, you know, starting with the Abyssals and moving through. It's that lovely Crush 1, Thunder 1 with Regen. Yeah. The Melee 3, Defense 5. Uh, they come in troops and regiments with 9 and 18 attacks, 11, 13, and 14, 16, which is the drawback for this unit. They are low nerve. 155 and 240 points for a regiment. Um, so I said Crush 1, Thunder 1, Fury, and Regeneration 5. These this is a beat stick of a unit. People are they're, they're, terrified. They're, they're of regular, them. and they're regular. They're regular this is why I build my list around, and a lot. I think a lot of people do build their list around horsemen just because they are a regular. They unlock. They've got a lovely unit strength. If you can survive a charge on them, which you tend to, even though they're fourteen sixteen, um, unless you, you, you get with it, don't you? And then you don't, yeah, oh, don't no, care. Wave, what a shame! Fury, go for it. Um, you regen, you drain life. Um, they're back to like one wound immediately. Great unit, right? Yeah, they're the best unit in the in the list. In the game, easily. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're arguably one of the best cav units in the game. They're they're probably up there with Order of Redemption, I think, for the for the points of what they do. They're absolutely excellent. You know, having damage mitigation and wave mitigation, which are probably the strongest things in the game at the minute. Having both of those on one unit is just huge. You know, the fact that you can be wavered and not care and then regen half it back and then drain life half of that back again. And they've got crushing strength, so even if they do get hit, they're grinding out well and they've got more attacks than regular cavalry. And, yeah, the, if it wasn't for the 14-16 nerve, this would be the perfect unit. But, obviously, everything has to have a, a drawback. But, yeah, I really, 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 really like these. Do you... um? Do you take them? So I always take these with items because I feel if you've got a superpowered always. unit, you might always absolutely smash. We yeah. haven't talked about items a lot with the other with the other guys because I'm not doing my job properly. Sorry, Rob. Uh, <laughs> but with these, I mean, sharpness on one and pathfinder on the other is what I take. Uh, brewer sharpness and elite, I take because elite is effectively the same as brewer sharpness mm-hmm. um, on an 18 attack unit when it's hitting on threes. It's a little bit worse when hindered. I don't bother with pathfinder because sharpness and elite 
get you to a similar sort of place. And actually, I find these guys are grinding more than they're charging. And they're just so good at grinding out combats that they shouldn't be able to grind like they do because they're cavalry, but they, they really, really do. Yeah, they're so strong. Yeah. I, I definitely hadn't considered an elite on them. Elite's what I really like about the elven elements of the list. Uh, and I always tend to miss when I drop in something from the Night Stalkers or the Abyss. And that's that's an interesting take. And because obviously they're, they're regiments, not hordes, they're getting the cheaper yeah. you know, cost for both of those. Um, so 20 points for elite is just, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically, a, you know, the, the bargain bucket version of sharpness again. And, you know, you, you, you're quite often hitting 16 times with the sharpness ones and 15 times with the elite ones, you know, regularly every single time. I, I love this unit. It, it's, it's, this is a unit that, that still gives Jonathan Thorpe Fox shivers when he double wound it twice. Uh, and it, was, it, it, was on, it was on 43 damage and it finished the game on nine because it then got two regen rolls off Andrew and Life Heal. It was just, yeah, they're, they're just a really, really, really good unit. Fred, if it makes you feel better, the uh, the actual Mantic models, the Abyssal Horseman form, I'm pretty sure were originally the Twilight Kin Horsemen. Yeah, so. You know, yeah, yeah. if you really want to take like an OG elf unit, that's technically what these were. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I uh, actually that's um, in my mind the reason these are regular uh, instead of it just being some weird mistake. For me, I assume it's a sort of a hint as to these being kind of elves somehow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> either that they're that they are like the spirits of elves riding out from the abyss, uh, brought back to life. Um, so uh, I actually use these uh, in my army. I have one regiment, and I use like uh, elf heads on them. And uh, uh, yeah, I just assume they are elves, like in the fluff. But they had to. It was easier for them to just get a unit that was already in in play instead of writing a new unit entry. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, one thing we haven't mentioned, of course, as well, is that they're they're chrome bound, yeah. which is huge because then the crone can throw a heel 18 inches across the board onto them. Which is just it's massive for keeping them going. Yeah. It's so so many combats I've had where they've taken nine damage and then next turn they're on nothing again, and it's just it's so easy to do. And it's it, it, you know a list like Twilight King where everything is so expensive and your unlocks are so expensive and you've got so few units quite often. It's a it's a force multiplier as this unit because it means that it can take as much damage as a you know unit three or four times its cost. And still be there and still be grinding down, you know. And I've had so many games where I've had nothing left at the end except these two, because they've just survived everything, and then everything else been wiped out around them. They are super yeah. good. Can, can, can you tell I like them? Yeah, no, I think it's hard to dislike them. They're that good. They're just very efficient and they're very. Although I did, as I said on a, on a, one of our Call to Arms episodes, I charged one off a hill into a loner just because I wanted to kill a loner and I would have got an overrun into some soul reavers in the flank and only did six wounds and bounce and that was very painful oh. i know right just the one time and they, they yeah. had sharpness as well off a hill oh anyway oh. I, I don't think i'd ever take them in troops i think uh, at troop level all of the bonuses of the regen and the fury and all of that falls away with only 11 13 yeah agreed yeah you just take shadow hounds right if you're going to do that in a troop yeah same same yeah. size and they're stealthy why would you Okay, so onto a stolen unit, which feels it feels uncomfortable in this list to have Silverbreeze Cavalry because Silverbreeze to me feels very elvy, but they probably got some cool Twilight Kim name like. They like, were Heralds of Woe. Heralds of Woe, right? 
Such a cool yeah. name. Right, so they are so they are Silverbees, exactly the same as an elves in absolutely every respect. So very quickly, they're still irregular. They're speed ten. They are melee, range, and defense four. They come in troop and regiments uh, with seven, fourteen attacks, eleven, thirteen, and fourteen, sixteen nerf again. They are one thirty and two hundred points. They are nimble. They have eighteen inch bows, which are elite, and they have steady aim. So. I, I like Silverbreeze Cavalry. I have a big, massive chubby for Silverbreeze Cavalry. I think they're so good, particularly in regiments, because I think they're just punishingly, punishingly good. And I did write a very unpleasant Twilight King list, which had triple Mind Screech, double Silverbreeze, um, mm. which is zero fun to play against, I am reliably informed, <laughs> because it just deletes a horde per turn. You know, a 2022 horde just disappears every single turn. But I don't take them in my Twilight Kin list now. I thought you could only build one playlist with them, one style. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> that's it. You can have a very unpleasant range list. There's a lot to like here, obviously. Speed 10 is is a huge, you know, component, first of all. Combining that with Steady Aim and Nimble, then, I mean, you can get these guys into some pretty nifty places and still get their shots off. And then with Melee 4, I mean, their, their regular attacks aren't anything to scoff at. So... There's there's quite a bit of good. It's I, I think that they're pointed correctly, uh, hitting on fours with ranged and elite. Uh, Fourteen sixteen again with the defense four. We know what that's like, but at two hundred points, it's really not bad, especially for the speed. Because normally in this game, when you when you have that kind of speed and nimble, you're paying a lot more than what these guys are, especially to have the range attacks on top of it. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're a really solid unit, and when you compare these to a a troop of um, stalkers. It's hard to argue why you'd ever take the Gladstalkers over these. I think they're they're a really, really good solid unit. Um, not much to say them really. It's uh, it's getting them in with unlocks can be a bit of an issue sometimes with troops with Twilight Kim. But I, yeah, I think these these fit into a lot of lists. I actually take a troop and put them in front of my fiend horde. Uh, I like the early shots, and then they can get into pretty some you know some pretty tight places for lanes with the nimble uh, when they do need to screen and the fiends can still see over them so it's just a nice little again those early damages that they can do with the shots and then the possibility of the charge it's decent what i do like about them as chaff as well is that if they do get wavered because they're nimble and speed Speed 10 10. they can they can 90 degree and back up five Mm -hmm. and and clear out the way which is a, a really nice trick i'm just assuming fred they're in your list right they're elves Oh yeah, sure. I have uh, two <laughs> two units, so those they're they're good. I like them. <laughs> good. <laughs> Just uh, there's not a lot to say, is there? Really cool. Any items on them that you guys would take? No. Yeah, I don't think they need it. No, no. The the only thing I might ever take is vicious on a regiment, but I, I don't think they need it. No. To be honest. Um, it makes them too expensive, I think. Yeah. What they are. They're perfect as they are, kind of, in the I, price range. I prefer them as troops regiments, but I can see that regiments are excellent. It's just, personally, I just... If I'm, if I'm spending 200 points or something, I want it to be a big, fighty combat unit. Yeah, you need um, you need to be selective, don't you? It depends on the, the style of list you're taking, really. Yeah. Kyle, let's head into the, the swarm. So there's only one swarm. Just the one. Cronebound Needle Fangs. This is the Swarm unit. They are speed 7, melee 5 plus, defense 2, no ranged. Come in a regiment and a horde. 12 attacks in the regiment at 911 nerve. Never forget. And 80 points. Uh, horde is 24 <laughs> attacks, 1214 nerve, and 130 points. Uh, special rules 
fly, nimble, stealthy strider, keywords, beast, chromebound nightmare. The thing about this unit is, do you take them over gargoyles? No. <laughs> Simply. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just not gargoyles. Yeah. It seems a little bit redundant. Yeah. I, I actually really like the horde. Um, yeah. I use woodland critters a lot in my force of nature. Uh, and with Painchant knocking around, they're, they're really, really deadly in the flank. And they're hard to ignore. But at a regiment level, you just take gargoyles. They, they do the same job better. So would you take Shadowhounds as the troop for 120 or a horde of Needlefangs for 130? Horde Needlefangs, but I would use them differently. I, I just think these are a really, a really cheap, you know, that they're chaff level, but, you know, even in the front, they can do work, but get them into the flank. Can't ignore. Uh, you really, really can't ignore them. Um, and with, with that strider, they're just, they're just nice. They're going to be hitting on fives. Yeah. Unless it's in snare or something like that. But if you're hitting a flank, which is what you should be going for. Yeah. For, 48 attacks on fives and you can get a bench on them. They're just very, very fragile. On a, they are. Two, and, 12, and, 14. But they're, you know, they're, they're a throwaway unit. They're, they're quite nice in a, in a list where you're not going to have many drops anywhere. You know, you, you can run these as, a, as an extra little flanking force that... These pair really nicely with butchers, and you have your the butchers hold them in the front, and then these move around for a, a next turn um, flank charge. And if you're, you know, you're sending resources away to deal with a 130 point, you know, needle flank hard, you're again not focusing more on the butchers, which are probably still going to be there next turn. But yeah, they're they're a nice little unit. You don't see them very often. I, I don't think the regiments are worth it over gargoyles, but I, I do like the hard. I see. There, there are models for needle fangs, right? Yeah. Are they, are they any good? They're quite cool, those models. Yeah, they're nice. Worms in, surrounded in flame, kind of thing, with just giant pointy teeth mouths, like, you know, all Night Stalker things. If you run these in front of Blade Dancers, then you'll have like a needle and blade combo. Thematic. I'm enjoying I'm going to yep. needle you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm just yeah, they, they, they work well in front of Blade Dancers because they're, they're only height one. one. So you can see over them. They are flying nimble. So if they do get wavered, they can't do the nimble backup mm. trick because they, they lose um, the nimble. How have I never seen this unit before? Yeah, they're, they're a really nice little unit. They, they're they very similar profile to all of the swarms. The woodland critters have got basically exactly the same, except they get vicious rather than um, strider. But they're stealthy, so they're not easy to shoot off. You know, 1214 is... It's not awful, actually. The defense two is fairly irrelevant. I, I like them. There's just a lot of attacks on fives. On fives, but but you, it's 130 points. 130 points, and it's flying nimble and strider. You know, at speed seven, so it's got a big threat range that you've got to. Even just to plant one of these on the flank and make your opponent have to play around it and not expose a flank to it, while the rest of your army is on the other side of the board. Hmm. Yeah. All right. And they are crawl bound. And the, and the chrome bound. Yeah. <laughs> They've got like I'm, no I'm not sure you're going to be doing much healing on these. Yeah, they're just going to die. All right, so on to another favorite to an, another chrome bound unit, the large cavalry. Chrome bound fiends. Speed eight, melee four, defense four. No range attack. Come in regiment and hordes. Twelve attacks in the regiment at thirteen fifteen nerve and one hundred and twenty five points. The horde is twenty four attacks at sixteen eighteen nerve for two ten. 
Crushing Strength 1 is Stock, Stealthy, which is fantastic, and Vicious. Everybody likes Fiends. This is the only decent nerve you can get in a cavalry unit in the Twilight Kin. Right? That 1618 nerve is high. My main problem with them is is the, the Defense 4 and the Melee 4. They're just not as good as Abyssal Horsemen. And that's what that's what bothers me. That That's kind of the problem, isn't it? Is that they're just a bit cheaper than Abyssal Horsemen. They're not as good as Abyssal Horsemen. But they're, they're actually a really good unit. I do like them in regiments. I think taking multiple regiments of them is very, very good value. 125 points for 13, 15 nerve and 12 attacks. The issue that I found in taking them in regiments is that they get wavered a lot. Because I did, yeah. I was one of the first things I tried. But that defense for 13, 15, especially if you're going against other chaff and things like that, it's it's something easy to for them to fall right into that waiver range for them. For some reason, that's just what I found. Yeah. And at that point level, they're competing with butcher regiments for your kind of thick chaff slash right. small combat unit. I think fiends are another one of those units where they're good, but they suffer in comparison to other things in the Twilight Kin list. But you took a hold of fiends for quite a while in your list, Elliot, I seem to remember. I did, um, and, and, and I don't now. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I dropped them out for spearmen because spearmen are better. Yeah, they were they were fine. They they got wavered a lot, is what I found with them. He's, I know that their waver mark is at the same level as the break point for the horseman, but defense four rather than defense five is is a big deal. And I just found that the stealthy wasn't kicking in enough. There was a lot of lightning bolts around, a lot of drain life around, or you know a lot of things that didn't care about the stealthy. But they're, they're fairly punchy. I I used to take them with Pathfinder, which helps them with melee four. Uh, they're, they're fine. They're just they're not a bit horseman. The nice thing about them being a little bit cheaper is that this is a unit you can look at spending items on, even though if it is the horde, you know you're going to pay the more expensive price point. But it's it's easier to swallow because you can't afford it at two ten if you're only going up to you know say two fifty or something mm. like that. So it, there is flexibility there. Elite's quite a nice option on them when they get to elite and vicious. Elite and vicious is uh, that's pretty that's amazing on a horde i can imagine especially in 24 attacks Ooh. yeah i've had some other players locally try to use these iowin has been trying to get these to work for a long time uh, but i think he's also a bit on the fence i mean i think he's on the way to maybe drop them from his list now because uh, they're a bit they're a bit uh, hit or miss during games they're, you can't really rely on them to to perform in every game sort of yeah yeah i think that we summed those up pretty well so Elliot, on to yeah. So let's let's cover the war engine section real quick, shall we? <laughs> because no, I love these. You yeah. really? I love bolt throwers. Okay. Yeah. So so two two war engines, both exactly the same as they are in the elf list. Uh, there's the the bolt thrower, which is two shots hitting on fours with elite uh, blast e three piercing two with reload, uh, and then the the dragon's breath, which is. Well, it's not a breath open anymore, of course, so it's a steady aim, 12 shots, uh, elite war engine. It's, it's a breath open, effectively, by, by a new name. I, I love the bolt throwers. I think they're incredibly good value. They're incredibly reliable. They're just consistent damage every single turn. I don't understand why people don't, don't like them more. Odds are, with the elite, that they should get one hit every single turn. You know, they're, they're a, pretty much guaranteed two points of damage onto any unit within line of sight. I just that, that, that's really really powerful. Anything that's consistent like that is is brilliant. I've got one in my list at the minute. 
Uh, the, the biggest issue with him is unlocking them in Twilight Kim. Yeah. Because you, you tend to have regiment unlocks rather than hordes, so you say so you're struggling more. But no, do you not like them, Steve? No. <laughs> because I think it's mainly because the style of Twilight Kinless that I play tends to have regiments of butchers and abyssal horsemen, which are all height three. Mm. So finding the correct line of sight for war engines in a list like that is an extra challenge because you're going to have to deal with cover all the time. And cover on puts them to hitting on fives and even with your elite it means it's just they are reducing their power significantly compared to an ignores cover war engine list yeah and i just think there's better things to spend the points on but then i i, I suppose i play a more melee focused twilight in style i can see quite easily like in my my double silver breeze triple um, mind screech list add a couple of bolt throughs in there and you're getting to really unpleasant so you just have to deal with the unlocks to actually make it happen i might need to add a horde of archers as well you know let's just yeah. really gross it up but I, I, I can see it. I've paired my bolt thrower with a. I, I've got a list with with a, uh, one mind screeching, and those two together pair beautifully, because it, it's just enough damage to to start threatening those medium, the chaffy kind of units. Or over the course of a game, the two of them can take hordes off. Yeah, I, I think these things are excellent. They're really really good, and then occasionally they roll hot and they do five six damage, something. Um, I think that these are, you know, it's it's kind of the point of what the direction that war machines wanted to go in third edition, where instead of needing to take three all the time or, or nothing, uh, there is some viability in taking one, maybe two of them. You don't have to go all or nothing on something like this. And especially in a list where unlocks are hard to get and you don't want to be using them, especially in the competitive monster and hero slot with this army. Mm-hmm. If you have the ability to take these, and you like you're doing, you can take one. If you take one, uh, you know, spear horde, all of a sudden your mind screech and your bolt thrower are both, you you know, you're done. You got them. So mm-hmm. there's viability there in in taking the one. I think that, like you're saying, consistent damage is nice. And, and you don't have to go all or nothing on them. Um, elite is is really nice on them. It's it's way better than what you're getting for some of the other cases where they're hitting on fives, but they're also getting the plus, you know, you hit and you get D three plus one plus two, something like that. So it, it's pretty well balanced. I actually prefer the dragon breath though. So I'm the weird one here. I, I actually quite like the dragon breath as well. Um, okay. It, it's not, it's not as good as some of the other breath weapon war engines because it doesn't have the piercing, but elite keeps it consistent. It, it's Okay. It's not nimble. That's the big issue with it uh, for me. That it, it can struggle to keep up sometimes. Oh, yeah, because I actually thought about that, that since the Twilight Kin list, often you, ha- you are probably running your summoner crones quite close to the, bat- to the battle line. So I was thinking that you can maybe also just walk your dragon breaths up and have some sort of a close-range uh, shooting battle line. But uh, I didn't think about that, that the loss of nimble actually... You have to be kind of lucky to get a good shot with them, I guess, the Dragon Breath. Mm. Uh, I just want to quick, quickly back to the Bolt Thrower. I also like the Bolt Thrower. It's a solid choice. Uh, it's like the original cannon with two attacks. It's what all war engines were changed to become. So, uh, And it, it's kind of the same as it always was. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a solid choice. And uh, Piercing 2 can win pretty much everything. So uh, I, I usually take... Uh, one or two bolt throwers as well. It has, I think, on average, the same damage output of a regiment of glade stalkers, uh, but it's ninety points rather than one hundred, whatever, seventy odd. 
and yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really easy drop to put down at the start of the game. So when it, whenever I'm playing, I, I always put down my mind screech, my bolt thrower, and my flying crone first, because they're the three that don't really care where they go. And so you effectively get three free drops to see what your opponent's doing, which in a, a, an armor like Twilight King, where you're going to be outnumbered and it's small, that's really really powerful. It's quite nice zone denial as well because there's a lot of fear of war engines. Mm. So if you put down a bolt for and a mind screech on one side, you know your opponent is going to be scrambling to make sure their stuff isn't in your line of sight, which means you can almost direct how they're going to deploy their army, right? Yeah, it's fun. It's it's fun when you put one bolt thrower down and you watch as like cavalry units are hiding behind hills from your one bolt thrower. <laughs> <laughs> I do like as well. There's some special there's some special fluff for the for the Twilight King war engines, which just strikes yeah, me as weird because they're like the least like impactful units and they talk about them having rusty and smeared with poison so that glancing blows can cause infection and disease I'd, I'd, I'd love to see a rule for that yeah, that'd, be cool. that'd be cool like a tick of damage or something but that's yeah. that's complicated it complicates a game that's supposed to be simple right yeah isn't that, isn't that like vicious would, would probably fit the bill for that no we don't want them to vicious elite's better <laughs> on, 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 on a oh, yeah. war engine elite's better <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure, but in 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 addition to the like oh, reflective both, yeah, poison or rusty bolt uh, fluff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could, they could have both. All right, so uh, I, I will. I'll, I'll tell you that one. Tall spear is still garbage, but uh, I mean, I wouldn't take a dragon's breath just because I I think but that's version two talking to me about how good they used to be. They were so consistent, so good. So I find mm-hmm. them underwhelming because there is so much stealth in defense five out there. It, 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 I struggle with dragon's breath, but I can see the use for bolt throws, and I, you know, in other armies I do, but just it's not the style I play with Twilight Kin. The, the Dragon's Breath took a hit as well with the fact that it now takes individual minus. So there, mm. there's so many times they're going to be hitting on fives or even sixes. Because, as I say, they're, they're not broth weapons anymore. So on to the tight mon- monsters and titans, Elliot. So on to another superstar unit of the list, maybe. Yeah, so the, the Chromebound Mind Screech. So uh, very similar to the uh, Mind Screech from Night Stalkers. Again, just losing the uh, Mind Thirst special rule. So this is a... a Height 5 monster. Uh, it's speed 6 with fly, nimble, and pathfinder for some reason. It's got stealthy. Uh, it's melee 4 and defense 4. 5 attacks, which is a nice improvement from version 2. 13, 15 nerve, uh, only 150 points. Uh, it has lightning bolt 6, wind blast 6, and mind fog 6. Uh, and again, it's chrome bound, which is really, really nice for the mind screech. Yeah, I like these. They're, they're very, very point efficient for what they do I mean they've got all the spells that you'd want them to have but I think almost as importantly they're nimble flying unit strength that they're just so good at grabbing objectives late in the game you know they're, they're war engines effectively that can jump out and score a point at the end of the game I just want to know one thing Elliot mm. why don't they get the five point discount because they don't need it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they really don't need it um I, I think these are fine not having the discount because the they have what Night Stalkers they've got some heal but the fact that the drain life can throw across the board and heal these is just mean because your mind creature tends to be hanging around at the back so any damage you're putting onto it is chip damage from lightning bolts or bits of shooting so these are just screaming out to be healed with drain life yeah they're 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 really good don't get why they've got pathfinding that annoys me. Because they're hovering. I know, but it's just it just seems like a throwaway rule that comes into play so often. Yeah. <laughs> it's just 
uh, I do like the utility on these, like the spells. They're they're not like the most direct spells. I mean, they're a bit tricky, like wind blast, mind mm-hmm. fog. Uh, I like that they can do some tricks, and not just do like the shooting. The, the you know the his old shooting attack with piercing three was kind of a like a one trick pony, but now he can do several things. Uh, I like that. I always forget that he's got mind fog or wind blast. Well, see, well, the wind blast is incredible. I I use the wind blast pretty much every game. It's it's so good for a scenario play towards the end. What what annoys me is that people complain about them having mind fog and it being pointless. So we'll, we'll look at the points. They're clearly not paying much, if anything, for it. And occasionally, you know, if something's really damaged, you're better off mind fogging it. As um, I was playing a game against uh, Nick Williams the other day, and it, he forgot it had mind fog. He shot lightning bolt at a unit that was on something like twenty odd damage and double wounded it and failed to damage. And it's like, use the thing. You've got Mindfog. Use it. But it's Mindfog 6 as well. That's a ridiculous number of dice on it. It's guaranteed. It's pretty much a guaranteed nerve check, yeah. And uh, his final uh, benefit, of course, is being Spellcaster 0. He's actually immune (laughs) to Hex. You can't even Hex him. No, I I think these are very good. I don't think 3 is worth it. People jump on 3, and I think that's a bit of a trap. People jump on four because they ally one in, yeah. right? Well, that 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 definitely is a trap. Yeah, you, you're just not getting the benefit from it when you, when you work out the the damage to the point cost. I don't think that's worth it then. And also, you're losing it's diminishing returns for how much they can jump on objectives at the end of the game. One or two of them is probably going to be able to grab an objective. Three or four is you know you're not there's not going to be three or four loose objectives hanging around. And I just think, well, especially in Twilight Kin, you're never going to get that many unlocks. And if you do have that many unlocks, you shouldn't be wasting them on four, three mind screeches. So you reckon I should do triple, triple silver breeze, double mind screech? Is what you're saying? Is what I should work on? Yeah, I do. Right, no, notice. I'm going to write some notes here. Cool. Does everybody agree with not going triple mind screech? Because it seems like a popular choice, and I think I'm one of the few people that seems to disagree with it. I really don't think it's necessary. And, and then you're investing way too many points in something that doesn't have as much return. Like like you said, the the Lightning Bolt 6 is, is decent damage output. What's great is that they're height 5 and you can use these to snipe characters fairly easily with that Lightning Bolt 6. And, and when you start getting into 3 or even 4, that effectiveness just starts going downhill pretty quick. I think what happens, because they're only speed 6, if you've got that many of them, it allows, you can only take off one unit per turn. If you've taken 24 Lightning Bolt, that's absolutely brilliant. And you're going to delete a unit per turn, but then all the other units are on top of you and suddenly your effectiveness is immediately reducing because you're going to lose something, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you've got any speed in your opponent's army. I was playing against um, a herd army with with my gross list and there's so much so much fast stuff. It's so low defense. So I was absolutely deleting units, but I couldn't quite delete enough units. Um, and he started nibbling away at me and it just I, I lost you know it's exponential loss of your power if it's all kind of crammed into these expensive units so on to the the titan yeah so this is the the chrome bound shadow hulk uh again exactly the same apart from losing mind thirst so it's speed six melee three which is excellent for a, a giant equivalent uh defense five it's d6 plus six attacks fearless 20 nerve which is just amazing it's got all of the crushing. It's crushing three, stealth it, and strider. And it's 220 points. Uh, Kyle, I know you really like these, don't you? Uh, yeah, I take two every time. Yeah. They're a linchpin for me. 
I, I, I don't take the mind screech because I don't have the unlocks for him. The Shadow Hulk ends up taking the spot. Yeah. They're, they're very good. The, the sort of the only downside of them, I think, is the, the loss of speed compared to the Giant. But Fearless 20 with Defense 5 is just incredibly defensive. And Melee 3 is huge compared to a Giant. You know, they're, they're slightly inconsistent with the number of attacks. But even at 7 attacks, with Melee 3 crushing um, 3 is better than a beast of nature. They're very good. He's very stable with the melee three because uh, some of the other titan-sized uh, monsters they have like D six plus eight attacks or something. Mm. At least some does. So he he this one has like D six plus six, which is the normal monster uh, like giant level monster level. Uh, but he's melee so he has, three. Exactly. So they yeah. they switched it up so he's more. I mean he's he he's going to get more hits more reliably instead, which is really good. And he's chrome bound. So it's it's fearless twenty in defense five, and you can throw heels across into the, really easily on the board. Yeah, I, re- I really hope people know what I'm talking about when I say throw heels as well, because obviously the um, the summoner crones out to Pretty the very deal. end of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we should probably mention that at some point. <laughs> Just keep listening for the exciting reveal. Well, that you know, they, it, it, it's similar to the butcher hordes where you get all the value out of them for being fearless eighteen defense five. Well, this is fearless twenty defense five. You just get so much value out of that heal, so much more than you do when you put it on a defense three unit. I I really like these. The only reason I don't tend to fit them in my list is unlocks because I I do have the mind screech. So it's more play style of which, which one do you do you want in? And and weirdly, there are more than one Twilight King playstyle. <laughs> weirdly, so I think well, I like you know all the reasons you guys have said Shadow Hulks are good. I get. Um, I think they are more valuable in higher point lists, right? And part of the problem is how expensive elf units sure. are, right? So mm. I usually pay at 2000 or 1995 and I've not yet managed to fit one in because if you put 220 into a monster or a titan in your list, you're missing out something major from a 2000 point. At 2300, um, I can see it. And I have the same problem, incidentally, in Ratkin with the Mutant Rat Fiend. Um, mm. A high, you know... If you've got one of those toolbox 2300 lists where you can take everything in the kitchen sink, why would you not take this as your giant choice? Because it's just great. I think just with elite with an elite army like this, it's very very expensive for some when you need everything in your list to be that little bit more killy. Yeah, no, I can see that. In, in my 2000 list, I can't think what I would drop to get the Shadow Hulk in that wouldn't make it a much worse list. But whereas I could add this to a list. 2300 and it would make it better so yeah i, I see your point there first time for everything yeah. i take two of them i i run them side by side with a crone and she inspires and heals not exactly getting used to the range on her drain life but uh at the same time she can fit you know when you're taking one on foot you're you're losing quite a bit of utility but i think she works really well with the two of them when you put them side by side it becomes really hard for them to be multi-charged, you know, especially both of them, one of them might be able to, but then all of a sudden the unit and, and their base size, it makes it hard for them to overlap. And, and so you get a little bit more protection on both of them. And then also uh, on the off chance that you start to kill things, then they, one of them inevitably gets a flank on the unit that's stuck in with the, you know, dash 20 uh, other one. So when I played against you, you put them both in a forest as well, just to be yeah. extra mean. <laughs> and like a strider. So it's, yeah. And I just looked at it going, I am never killing that, ever. Not not with all that drain life in the forest, with all that defense and all that fearless. All right, so there, there are 
a fair few heroes. Not as many as some lists, but um, still a fair few. And I think so. They they really vary in usability. So we, we're going to take a couple each, um, starting with Fred. So hit us up with the borrowed units from the from the from the main list. Yeah. So uh, we're going to start with a couple of uh, less interesting ones. Uh, first up is the Elven Prince. The yeah. What can we say about the Elven Prince? He has three attacks. Nerve eleven. 13, and he's dirt cheap at 55 points. He has crushing one, elite melee, and he can get a horse, speed nine, and he can get a saber-toothed hunting cat. Can you take the hunting cat, points. even though that's from the, it's the army special rule from actual elves? I was thinking oh. about that, and uh, I have no idea. Yes, I think you can. Well, you, you must be able to, because it just says, yes, you can. So it's, it's duelist, right? It gives him duelist. Yes, yeah, duelist. So, uh, that's a good way to get duelist in, I guess. Uh, yes, do the assassins have duelist as well? Um, I should tell you. They do, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's not the only way to get duelist in your army, but it's, it's one way to get it. I don't know, really. Um, would you take an Elven Prince? He does not have inspiring, so it's like his only job maybe is war machine hunting, like a war engine hunting, I mean. I, I, I really like this architect of, you know, the, the cheap combat characters. In any other list where you could actually get unlocks into it, I would consider it. But he's battling the Soulbane for the the unlock slot, and he's never ever going to win that fight. Yeah, um, Soulbane is so much cooler. Yeah, I, I I just I've never yet come across a a list where I've been building Twilight King where I've had a spare hero unlock. So I uh, until that changes, I, I'm never going to take one. Yeah, if I've got 55 points, it's going into items, not into him. Yeah. Agreed. Move on. <laughs> oh. So, the next is even more inspiring, and that's the Army Standard Bear, which is inspiring at least. But it's the plain old ASB, 60 points, nerve, 10, 12, one attack. Uh, yeah. Really? It's got late. Yeah. At least melee for that, in case you want to throw him in to battle with that one. And it hits on falls rather than fives, like a lot of them do. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good, actually. Yeah. I'm a bit confused because on the thing you sent us, Steve, he's not got the loot of Insatiable Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a, a mandatory addition. Strapped to his back. Surely it'd be some kind of... <laughs> it would be the uh, the V guitar, wouldn't it be? Some kind of flying V guitar if you were the yeah. Twilight him rather than the loot. He'd probably Absolutely, yeah. The Prince guitar with a phallic yeah. little right. thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the only reason you'd take one, right? And I've never found an unlock to be able to take this yeah. in a list, ever. I, I, I have one in now, but only because I'm running Double Spear Hard. And you need it for the spears. Because yeah, um, they're garbage. So. Well, it, the, the issue more is the fact that the, my crones were my inspiring. And so as you start to add more elves into your list, you need something that inspires your elves. Fair. Oh, yes, which is my other argument about why they're garbage. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, there's nothing bad to say about these. Either they're, they're cheap and they're, you know, they're, they're standard bearers out of the air. If you run a lot of elves, then an extra bane chunk is really handy. Yeah, 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 I can see that. I actually took out a unit of gargoyles that was flying around in my rear, and the standard bearer just stood up and, and charged it, and uh, with that elite, got the reroll, did one wound to the gargoyles, and took them off. So, Scales. I, they're worth it. <laughs> because you're worth it, the L'Oreal unit. <laughs> okay, so um, moving on to some more interesting units. We have... Uh, the Chromebound Banshee, who is... This can't be right. Height 6? 
Yeah, that that's not right. Where, <laughs> is that in the? Just how it I might have got this from an old PDF that's been uh, corrected. That's funny. Yeah. Um. So the Chroma Banshee is obviously stolen from Night Stalkers. So he's exactly the same as the Banshee, but doesn't have mind first speed 10 melee 6 defense 4 1 attack dash 12 nerve 140 points You've got dread fly individual stealthy and the banshee's whale which is uh, enthrall or wind blast 5 where you roll to damage for each hit that is scored i kind of feel this is another one of the night stalker units that doesn't necessarily fit the list for that price dread is great but you've got better Dread characters in this list. Yeah, and Dread doesn't stack. My issue with the Banshee is she doesn't inspire, so you're using up in a hero slot and you're not getting any inspiring in from it. And, you know, you can have so few hero spots in your list that you just need inspiring in every one of them. That, that's my big issue. And then to put the Inspiring Talisman on, that's a really expensive character for what it does. I want to love the Banshee, but it's, I mean, it's just got the potential to be such a great pester unit. And yeah. I, I feel like there is a place for, for that sort of style, especially with things like shadow hounds and gargoyles, you know, the Banshee could be a great complement to a pestering, you know, force or wing of your army that would do that. But I, I just can't like at 140 points. Um, I, I never find room for it. No, the the Banshee works a lot better in night stalkers. Right. Yeah, basically, because you're not, you're not having to worry about inspiring. Anyone that ever tells me that Mind Thirst is a negative rule just doesn't play the game very well. The, the fact that you don't need a, um, you know, you, you don't need to worry about the fact that she doesn't inspire. Whereas in this list, it's an absolute game breaker for me. That's why I like him. I, I, I I'm just never going to spend that many points. Ten points more, you get a, a mind screech. Yeah, exactly. And you're not you're not using up a really valuable hero slot. Nope. Move on. <laughs> good, good try, Banshee. But... <laughs> so, um, on to uh, the Chromebound Archfiend, which I think. So we, you know, we haven't talked about the fact that a lot of Dark Elf players, or sorry, Twilight King players from version two, are all butt hurt because they lost chariots. Although we did say the word chariots, and I flinched involuntarily, um, and they lost dragons. <laughs> uh, so instead, they had Archfiends in version two. No one took them because of dragons. So now this is your kind of your flying titan, your hero titan. So. It is uh, the same as the Abyssal Archfiend, so it's speed 10, melee 3, defense 5. He's got 9 attacks, he's a 16-18, 310 points. Uh, he's got all the rules! Brutal, crushing strength 3, fly, fury, inspiring, nimble, vicious in melee, and he comes with fireball 10. He is bloody expensive, but he's also bloody good. He is very, very terrifying to have in the back lines. Yeah. I mean, the Archfiend in general is probably considered the worst dragon type unit, rightly or wrongly. But I think the the thing that for me tips the the Twilight conversion over again is the fact that it's chrome bound, and you know the ability to heal your, your I'm going to call it dragon, I'm not a dragon, but your dragon from that kind of range is is huge, and he is really good. He does get all of the rules. It's just that 16, 18 nerve is just a a bit on the low side for a 310 point unit. Yeah, you're talking to a vacuum player, mate. I'm not. 1618 is the right. <laughs> we have played version two. <laughs> you you have all of the rally. <laughs> that is true. But again, but that, but that 1618, which is a, a big issue in the abyssal list, is really mitigated by the the crone, you know, crone healing from drain life. So I I think that the the crone bound archfiend is actually quite a bit better than the the regular archfiend. 
and really in contention, you know, a lot more so than, than the Fossil of the Abyss, actually, in my opinion. Fred, would you ever would you ever stick an Archfiend into your Elfie Elf list? Well, probably not, but uh, I mean, he's pretty scary. So uh, if I had to choose one monster, then he might be on the top of that list. And also, he's spellcaster level zero, so he's immune to hex. <laughs> immune to hex. Hooray! Yeah. He, he's also inspiring just in general, so he inspires the elves, yeah. which is really nice. He is. And it, again, but he's another unit where if you're putting him in, you're building the list around that archetype. Yeah. And this feels, it feels a little bit more how I used to play elves and how a lot of people used to play elves, which is you'd have him on the flank with something to screen him. And then you're you're working on getting him into the flanks and the rears, right? But he does have yeah. fireball ten, which is always going to be without cover unless they're actually sitting in a forest. Which is nice. I, I won a, a game, my first call to arms game with an arch fiend because on the very last turn I fireballed the unit that was in contention for that for the uh, for the dominate and uh, took it off with one point of damage. So you know I think it's just he's a real multi-tool, super super punchy unit. He's just come to the price that yeah reflects that. Yeah, Fury with heals, vicious. I mean, there's a lot of good things there. Brutal's great because you can combine it uh, with Dread to spread things out. You know, if you get Dread's on one place and you got Brutal in another place, that's nice. So, uh, you know, there there are definitely things to like here. The threat projection, I feel like, is something that is of value in this list where you don't have quite a lot of that. I mean, you you do with, like, Shadowhounds and the Abyssal Horsemen, but uh, it's a little different when you have a flyer like this. Okay, so then on to... Two kind of really interesting units. I'm really interested to hear your guys' thoughts on the Assassin. Uh, and then we move on to another super, superstar unit. So Kyle, take us away. Let's look at the Twilight Assassin. Uh, infantry hero at speed 7. Melee is 3+, plus, ranged 3+. plus. Defense 4. Uh, 4 attacks, 11, 13 nerve. For only 100 points, you get Crushing Strength 1, Duelist, Elite, Individual Scout, Stealthy, Throwing Weapons that are Piercing 1, and the option for a Scream Shard. This guy, for 100 points, if we could just get a little bit easier unlocks, I feel like I would take one all the time. Uh, There really is some genuine threat here, especially with Scout. Being able to get into places where your enemy lines uh, arcs, you can basically get shoot up the first turn and, and get out of line of sight arcs so that you can get past those things. If you can find a way to put him in a place that that is possible, uh, he's a real issue. Because in the following turns, you either have to turn and, and deal with him, or he's going to come up, start coming after your, you know, your BSB, your your casters, that sort of thing. And there's there's real possibility there. But the issue that I have is the unlocks. Yeah, completely agree. This is the unit that I want Twilight him to get more unlocks for, is so that I can run an assassin because they're just they're really really cool. I I love everything about this unit. I love. As you say, the scouting, shooty, stealthy, hide in a corner and just pester all game, duelist and charge out and punch something. It's a really, really good unit. It's just, again, it because it doesn't inspire and and doesn't fit the, the role of inspiring, it's not even worth giving it an inspiring talisman. You can't justify including it at the moment because you just you need inspiring or drain life in the list, in my opinion. But I'd love to be able to run an assassin. I, th- I just think they just who's cool yeah it really fits the flavor of the list yeah. I, I really struggle with individual um individuals small individuals like this these combat like low attack individuals why is it please explain to me why four attacks is any use at 100 points 
because it's the, I mean, the, the shooting attack there, it's going to be shooting every single turn. So most units will attack twice in a game, usually, and will get all their value out of that. Whereas for 100 points, this unit will do damage seven turns out of seven. And so it will make its points back every single time. You know, if you've got a big combat horde, often you're only actually rolling dice with it twice. Uh, and the rest of it is all just potential. Whereas something like this will be doing something every single turn and it will be forcing your opponent to play against it, either putting themselves in positions they don't want to be or ignoring it to their detriment. It's incredible at sh- you know, shutting down wizards or BSBs and it, it's cheap enough that if all this does is go and chase a war machine for most of the game, it'll still make its points back and do something. I just think these are brilliant. And there's there's going to be a time where this is going to throw itself in front of a unit, do that one point of damage to disorder them and throw itself under the bus and be amazing. It's speed seven. That's huge on a, a nimble individual. They could just be everywhere. That's it can be really annoying to give them the boots of levitation too and, and running full <laughs> 14 and just still throwing those. Yeah, That's expensive though. It is. But it's, it's range three plus with piercing. So it's... It's better than Lightning Bolt. And Elite. And Elite, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and General Elite. So with those, you know, it, on average, it's getting two to three hits a turn, which is going to be turning into one to two points of damage. So it's it's a Lightning Bolt in itself that can also charge. And, you know, with eight attacks and crushing one, it's going to kill Wizards as well. Fred, tell, tell me you've got one in your elf list. Come on. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I at least have... I have two of them ready to go, <laughs> uh, but I haven't actually tried them out yet. I, I also struggle a little bit with uh, with uh, with using them. I don't think I'm really good at using them in a, in a great way. It would be really cool if this guy had like uh, inspiring elf only or inspiring glade stalkers only or something like that, so he could run with someone maybe. Well, he's surely he's a blade dancer, isn't he? He's like a super tough blade dancer. No, I think it's like the. The boss of the, sh- the shadows, you know, the glade stalkers. The shadows, yeah. I think. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're like right. The, yeah, uh, a master assassin. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it, it's just a little bit off the mark. I mean, scream shard. Uh, you probably won't be charging into anything with him. Uh, so <laughs> he should have maybe had like some. What if he had like a ranged scream shard version? That would be cool. He could stand and shoot and like heal back with by shooting. That would be perfect for him. But uh, I like the fact that he has piercing one as well because that's so rare to see any yeah. on, range, on range three plus with elite. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he might be. I mean, he, he, if you take him for fun, he, you might get get a kick out of him. He, he might do something. It's it's the scout for me. It's the fact that he can so easily scout fourteen out of arc of sight, and you know, it, it's just that nice amount of damage to waver a piece of chaff first turn right in front of your opponent's lines and block everything up. Or your opponent has to make sure they overlap all of their units so that you can't scout up, in which case you've made them move in a way they don't want to, and you just scout in a different direction because you're an individual. So you turn around and go 14 inches and redeploy yourself across your line. Yeah, I I, I just think of all of the Assassin-style units, I think the Twilight Assassin is the best in the game, easily. I just want some unlock so I can take it. What do you think about Crystal Pendant on this guy, just in case he gets taken out? 
genuinely would be hilarious and actually quite using him, but probably wasted because actually you, you want him to be using his throwing weapons until he finds something that is either juicy enough or um, has no choice but to charge. Oh, and you 14-inch scout him up and then right into the front of their most valuable unit, turn one. Boom. <laughs> Literally. Boom. You, you know what I was saying? That you get seven turns of effectiveness out of it. No, just the one. <laughs> yeah, you, don't, you don't if you do that. <laughs> you get one glorious turn. <laughs> it would be amazing. <laughs> anyway, on to another superstar unit. Kyle. The Soulbane. Pretty big crutch here. Uh, hero infantry unit, uh, speed six, melee three plus, defense five, no range attack. Five attacks at default, pretty standard. 13, 15 nerve, which I like. 120 points for crushing strength one, dread, elite and melee, individual inspiring, mighty, and stealthy. Has the option to upgrade for a horse, which is uh, speed nine, and change to hero cab for 35 points, and the scream shard upgrade as well. I don't know if you ever take these without the horse. I do. Yeah. I've never taken. Do you? Yeah. Because I, I say, the, the reason I do, <laughs> I never would. Only an idiot would. <laughs> I can I see it if you really, really don't have 35 points. So um, the reason being is that I put him with my central melee block in, in my main list is like two butcher regiments, two impaler regiments, and a soulbane with them. So what you have then is he's inspiring all of them. And when the butchers eventually die, which they very rarely do he's then in with everything else with his dread and he's a lovely mighty so um i've just played a game and i put him into um everything was coming forward and it was like a goblin list and he had a mincer mob with sharpness which is a freaking terrifying unit soulbane went into it took off its thunderous charge and survived two turns um <laughs> allowing everything to kind of be cleared up in the middle because his 1315 nerve is massive on an individual for defense five yeah it, it is when you've got Scream Shard as well. I just forgot, yeah. I just remembered um, I forgot to use the Scream Shard on him. Oh. I'm <laughs> gutted. See, for, for, for all the times I haven't used the Scream Shard for the, on the Impalers, I'm pretty sure I used the, the Scream Shard in 9% of the games on the Soulburn. Because he's, that defense 5 and 13-15 means he just he just survives that pip longer. So he's effectively, at that point, you know, he's a 15-17 nerve. But yeah, the Soulburns are very, very, very good. And dread, dread on your main inspiring dread. character is dread's just a big incredible. Deal. And, and, and what's hilarious is dread on a speed nine unit. So <laughs> the dread's just wherever you need it. Yeah. In the way that the base changes, you actually can can get a little bit more based on the pivots. So. Yeah. And I've I've ping ponged him mm-hmm. across the, the field so many times. Of okay, I need dread over there now, and dread over here now, and dread over there now. <laughs> just you know, even if he's not charging even if he's just running over just to to be there to cheer them on with his horrible ways <laughs> for tread he's um yeah everything about this character is, is good mighty is huge stealth is just a lovely add-on for the occasional time he's not getting it with the lightning bolt is getting shot at um just don't bother yeah, right, I, yeah. I, yeah how many how many fred do you mount or no mount so I used to run two on foot, but that's just because I uh, hadn't painted my two on horse yet. So uh, the moment I paint, finished painting those, then I actually switched them out uh, with the mounted kind. Because I also found that I needed to run them around a bit more and uh, move the inspiring and the dread around a bit. So uh, uh, I have run them on foot, but uh, it was only a limited time. Um, but I, I really love this this guy. I mean, he's such a... He's such a mighty profile. I mean, 
his mighty, stealthy, dread. Uh, I mean, um, how many el- elf heroes have all those cool rules? Uh, and um, like I mentioned earlier, I just get the feeling that he has this sort of residue of uh, the dark side hang- clinging to him, but gives him stealthy and dread. is like veiled in shadows somehow. It's, it's awesome. No, I like him a lot. I, I tend to take it mounted with the Scream Shard and the Mace of Crushing because then you've got Elite and Mace of Crushing. It's just very, very reliable to do you know, two or three points of damage every turn. Oh, yeah. I actually run mine naked uh, or you know, without items. They, mm. they have so many special rules already. Yeah, it's like a chocolate cake. You can put sprinkles on it, but chocolate cake is still good, right? Yeah. Another nice thing to give him if you can is, is Duelist, if you've got the points. Because, you know, speed 9 with the Dread and the Elite, um, 10 attacks is killing most support characters in one go. And doing a good amount of damage to other combat characters. Yeah, it depends on how you run him, isn't it, really? So, um, Elliot, let's move on to the two of the spiciest characters in the list. That You know, one of which we have to say is a huge crutch, I think, for this list. But not always. Uh, but, so take us away. So this is the always crutch, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> This is the unit that the entire Twilight Kid list revolves around, and why I've mentioned Cronebound so many times as we've gone through. Uh, so this is the, the Summoner Crone. She is a hero infantry. She's spellcaster level three, uh, and stay tuned to find out what that does. Finally, yeah, it's Ooh. a good thing. It's, it's definitely a good thing. It's level yes. three. It's higher than the elf. Can, can I just point out that it, it's higher than the elf majors? It's level. Oh three. yeah, definitely higher um, than elves. So she's speed six, melee five, defense four. Uh, one attack, 11-13 nerve, which is really nice. 95 points. Uh, individual inspiring, chrome-bound only. Uh, stealthy. And then the Wicked Miasma. So this unit's drain life spell may target friendly chrome-bound units within 18 inches instead of six for its damage removal component. Well, I wish you mentioned that at the beginning of the review. That one's very Yeah, <laughs> that would have been helpful, that one too. Uh, and she comes a standard with drain life six and... Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the rest of the options with now. So she can take a horse for 25 points, which is a speed 9 horse, which is worth mentioning. There's a, a unique upgrade, the Scepter of Shadows, which increases her drain life by 3 to 9, uh, but it cannot be taken in addition to a horse, but it can be taken with the wings. Bane Chant 2 for 20 points, Hex 3 for 15 points, or Veil of Shadows for 25 points. Yeah, these units are incredible. And just keep Twilight King going, in my opinion. I have two in every single one of my lists. I have one with the wings and Drain Life 9, and one on horseback with the Boots Levitation for 18 inches and then 16 inch Drain Life. Yeah. It, it's one of the Drain moments when fluff and, and list building actually comes together perfectly because, yeah. I mean, she's essentially what's summoning all of these different units that they have the ability to gain access to. And then in game, it's she's pretty much she has to be there. I, I, I love it. I love that she uh, the, the Wicked Miasma rule for me. I really like the idea of the draining the life essence of the anime that's making all the things that she's summoned stronger around her. Yeah, I, I just like everything about these. I like that they self-inspire themselves as well, and they're stealthy, and they've got 11-13 nerves, so they're not soft in any way. But yeah, that, that ability to throw your heels is a false multiplier, massively. Um, it lets Twilight King compete even when they're massively outnumbered, potentially outcosted. It, it just keeps all of their units going for longer and longer. I'm not really sure I could build a Twilight King list without taking two of these. That's probably a failing on my part rather than the list, but I I love these. 
I think my, my list later doesn't have them in, but I think that was really just as a challenge. And having seen, because Elliot's your blog about you know your Twilight in journey, which arrived yeah. at the the wings and the boots levitation is it, that's just the archetype for me now. I can't imagine taking some of the crones if they didn't have wings and the boots. They're just so mobile. You've got a problem on the yeah. other side of the board. No problem. We'll be there in a second. All your wounds are gone. They're just... People keep suggesting that I move the items around that I have to go to them. No, no, no I can't do it. They're just amazing. <laughs> it, it's what really makes it work. You, there was a point when... I'm Forgive me focusing on edit for a little bit, but um, when your blog, when you're saying, I just keep on adding more and more drain life and it just keeps getting better. You used to have yeah. three. Why don't you take three now? I, uh, I don't have three now because I'm taking less chromebound stuff. So if I still have the same amount of chromebound units in, I would go for three. But the value of these is directly proportional to the amount of chromebound stuff you've got in your list. So if if you if say I didn't have the elf spear holds anymore and put more chromebound stuff back in, it would definitely be worth adding a third. What I have found is that when you don't have the boots of levitation or don't have the wings, getting the drain life to where you need it is much harder. When you've actually got to use the rules properly, like everybody else does, it's much harder to get the drain life exactly where you want it each time. Right, and I found without the horse, because the first, remember my first Twilight Kinnest that I ran, I, I had a, <laughs> I had a running behind the Abyssal Horseman, I was anywhere, I couldn't see over them. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's actually completely pointless, this unit. I didn't use them for a while. Yeah, I, I, I tend to have the horse one. The, the flying one will run around with the horseman. Uh, because you can fly over and peek around. The the horse one I tend to send off by itself uh, and hide out of line of sights and usually run it behind my opponent's line uh, and pick on all of the low defense units uh, and just throw the heels back across the line. I, I just love that image of this horse run just, just, just sneaking around behind. <laughs> sneaking on a horse. <laughs> but, it, but, it, yeah. me. but it's stealthy. Just picking on all the small units and then throwing all that life essence back into the main battle line to make it stronger. It's the assassin all over again. But yeah, I and because it can move 18 inches and still cast, it can so easily sneak out of arcs of sight and lines of sight and, and just hide in annoying places and just be a real pain. Yeah. And and yeah, th- th- these are the reason why I play Twilight Kin. Fred, do you find that with your elf, well, kind of elf-centric list, that they're less useful? Yeah, because I was going to say that. Uh, I mean, while they are amazing at what they do, they are also the unit that kind of pushes the army towards the Cronbound build and away from the elf build. Yeah, so completely you, agree. So I kind of wish there was a counterpart. Uh, this feels a bit like the like when dwarves only had the stone priests, so they were being pushed towards like the earth elemental build, and then they got the flame priest in addition to like give them two options. So I kind of wish there was two spellcaster options for the Twilight Kin, so you can have like a, a more elf-centric counterpart. Uh, would, would have been cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I mentioned it in the blog article. Um, I called it list design funneling. That because these are so good, and I don't think they're too good. I think they... I think the balance of what they do, but they do push you down the route of Chromebound because, as I said, their their strength is directly proportional to the amount of Chromebound in your list. And because these are good and because they're one of the few things that are so uniquely Twilight-kin, no one else can do this kind of build. It it does push you towards those Chromebound units, which is very fluffy and fits the fluff. But if you want to play pure elves, then you're kind of missing out on one of the key pieces, which is the Summoner Crone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. 
Cool. So on to the final unit, which I think is one of my favourite units in Kings of War, full stop. And he's got acres of fluff devoted to him and his special sword and his special shield. And casting back, yeah, let, let's talk about the unit first. So, uh, Elliot, sorry. Yeah, so this is uh, Mikhail or Mikhail, Lord of Nightmares. Uh, he's a living legend. He's hero cav, um, speed nine, melee three, defense five. He has six attacks, so one more than the Soulbane. He's fearless 16, so a bit more nerve and fearless. Uh, he's crushing two, so he's got one more crushing than the Soulbane. Uh, dread, elite, individual, inspiring, iron resolve, mighty, stealthy. Uh, and then he's got the Sword of Umbra, which is effectively super super duelist. Uh, so when attacking enemy heroes, monsters, or titans, this unit doubles its number of attacks, taking it up to 12. So it's 12 crushing two melee three elite attacks. Um, he is 260 points. So he pays for all of those, but I think he's very, very good. I, I like Mikhail. He's like a little mini dragon, which is individual. But in version one... Back in the day, this was this was a, this was a, he was the most overpowered character in the game. He was ludicrously strong. Didn't he used to have like the auto kill rule where if you did one point of damage and then like on a four yeah. plus you just died? <laughs> yep, it was four plus death. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And then my Michael is is that model. I know um, Kyle's yours is as well, but yeah, I just I just freaking love this unit. He is people are terrified of him if they know about him. Yeah. And if they're not if they don't know about him, they become very surprised very quickly. He's just super he, he's he's a hundred points more than the Soulbane. And and he he gets value from those hundred points. He gets a lot for that those points. I think it depends what you want to do with him. Uh if you're gonna use him like a Soulbane just to chip on and support combats, you might as well just take a Soulbane. But I, I really like him. Um, from a fluff point of view, I really like him, and I think he's, I think he's got the rules to justify his cost. He is just quite pricey. If you can get him uh, double charging any kind of monster titan, you know anything that he's going to double his attacks on, uh, with any kind of a decent unit in combat, it's it's pretty likely to come off. That's it. If if your uh, opponent has got like a giant or something. Yeah. which they're using to anchor their lines around because, oh, you're never going to kill that, right? Well, all of a sudden, if you're sticking this guy in with 12 attacks on threes and crush two and dread... And dread. Yeah. It's just, and elite. And elite. Or <laughs> even just use him to... Because he's mighty, whack him in front of something. Dash 16 is very hard to kill. You know, if you put... Like, if you've got, if somebody's using rabble or something like that, some kind of crappy unit, um, and they've got a horde of it, put him in front of them. They're never moving. <laughs> they're literally there for the yeah. rest of the game. Uh, I, I like, do wonder where, where where's his shield? Wasn't there a part in the fluff about his shield as well? And, and his black armor, yeah. Yeah, I've seen, I think probably that it's just one. It would make him too strong. The the shield of Jet. I, I I did see the um, during playtesting. I did see all the various versions of him with all the different rules for, and it, it was getting a bit warhammery with all of the various rules. I think he he started off with the the same rule that the hex casters get where. You can only hit them on sixes with magic and in snare. And I, and I think we realized that that was a, a bit silly. <laughs> it was, was turned down a little because Kings of War doesn't really go in for stupid over-the-top over, over the top heroes. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Steve, because if, if you send them in alone into a powerful monster 
as it might not be a, a great idea. I mean, he, he does need a little help or he needs to help another unit or you have to soften the target up beforehand. Because let's say if he were to charge a dragon, you probably won't kill the dragon outright. And when the dragon strikes back, then he might actually be in trouble. So he's not like overpowered on his own. So, but if you play him right, he can really do some good things. Yeah. I remember I played against, when I was first trying him out, um, I sent him alone against the Basilean dragon and he did not win that fight. Uh, <laughs> he did not win that fight despite <laughs> his 12 attacks. But he is just, a, you have to use him cleverly, but I think he's just super great. He's just right at six attacks. He's not wildly overpowered. Um, I do wish he had seven because I think it would just kind of make him that super. I think kid. seven, yeah, would. But um, six, I think, is fine. Awesome. So we have run through all the units in the game. So let's, we'll, as, as Mark Zelensky says, slide into a short commercial break. And then we'll come back and talk about how you can use Twilight Kin to dominate the battlefield. Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. And I hope you're about to apply a second thin coat just there whilst you're listening to Counter Charge. And we are back. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the army meta for version three. So at the beginning of version three, um, there was a lot of talk of uh, Twilight Kin of Garbage. Ah, oh, this unit's te- this army's rubbish. No one's going to use them. They're absolutely terrible. And I kind of feel that, particularly over the last, particularly over lockdown, weirdly, that's shifted quite a bit as people have realised the potential in the army. Um, we've seen them win a couple of tournaments, and we've seen them really strong uh, in Call to Arms. So, how would you guys describe the the meta for version three in terms of Twilight Kin so far? I think the the issue Twilight Kin had was an issue a few armies have got of they're not the same army as they were in version two, and people are looking at them through the same eyes as oh they can't do this anymore or my old list doesn't fit in properly. Um, Herd are another good example of that. That there's a huge amount of potential in these lists that people maybe aren't seeing at first because they're they're looking at what they've lost, not what they've gained. I think Twilight Kin are a fantastically versatile army because they can they can pick and choose the best bits of you know two of the strongest lists in the game of abyssals and night stalkers and they get elves on top of that which again have got really strong units I, I don't think a meta has really emerged for twilight kin yet because i think people are, are only seem to have realized them in the last six to eight weeks it's almost like they didn't really look at them they just looked at the fact that chariots had gone rather than looking at all the cool stuff that that was there I mean, I had taken them in Call to Arms and played Elliot in round two, I think it was. And that's when you sort of took a look at them yourself. And, yeah. you know, I, they're a list that I was playing in second edition. And I, while I used Archer Hordes and Bane Chan on them and Chariots and various, you know, shooting, I had two Bolt Throwers, two Dragon Breath, uh, lots of different shots that came around in that list. Uh I, I don't. I don't feel like I, I'm missing anything. I actually feel like I've gained more from having the inclusion of the abyssal and the night stalker stuff. And, and to be honest, I had a tip that that was happening well ahead of time, but it's not something that is disappointing to me. And, and you mentioned even going back to second edition lists. I think that people are going back even as far as uh, Warhammer days and what they expect a dark elf army to look like. Look like, and and that's just not what these guys are. You know, it's no. these these are their own unique thing. Yeah, so for, for me, the, the meta is really elite, strong units that are most likely going to be outnumbered because the the cheapest unlock is 120 points, which is very expensive for the cheapest unlock. It's the 
the tall spears is the most expensive combat unlock in the game in terms of the cheapest option. So they're they're going to be a small elite army. So they're going to need things like drain life to keep them going and the stealthy and the regen. So you've got to play them cleverly uh, because they're not very forgiving. But they've got potential because they can really grind and really hold out. And yeah, they've just got some really really cool units. Uh, I haven't actually paid much attention to uh, the results of the Call to Arms tournament and, and such. Uh, I wasn't actually aware that they had won any tournaments, uh, but that's great to hear. <laughs> um, but I still think of them as kind of the fluffy choice. Uh, I, I, I do believe normal elves are stronger and uh, you need much more, I don't know, luck or skill perhaps to, to do well with Twilight Kin. Uh, but I would just play them because they are fun and more, just much more cooler and more interesting than normal elves. Uh, but I wouldn't expect them to be better than standard elves in, in a tournament, I think. I think, um, Ellie, you said it right in terms of their, how forgiving they are. I find with Twilight, if you make one or two mistakes, you've lost with them. You have to play perfectly because they are so elite and they're so... They're like a, mm. they're, they're what we used to call a finesse army, right? They're very finessed. You have to. Every unit has to have a function. There's no redundancy. You have to play it right. But they, yeah. So the tournament wise, so I think Mark Campbell, I think was a guy that won. Um, yeah, he won a um, bug eater. Right, won bug eater with a Twilight King. There was a, one of uh, Bob's tournaments um, was won by a Twilight King player as well in the UK. Mm. Uh, a 1750 tournament, I believe it was. So you know, playing them right, I think they can really surprise people. And you're absolutely bang on in that people are thinking of them like Dark Elves. They are not Dark Elves. No, um, at all. You know, they're a different flavor. I get that the models are the same, and there's some inspiration there, but this is a, they're a whole different play style, and they play differently to... I mean, the closest is Abyssals, but Abyssals is very, very different. Night Stalkers... Very different to Abyssals, actually, yeah. Very different to Night Stalkers. People keep saying to me, why, why not just play Night Stalkers? Night Stalkers don't have melee three high-crushing units. They've got units with lots of attacks at melee four, you know, look like the shadow hounds, things like that, but they, they don't have their version of the abyssal horsemen. They don't have their version uh, of impalers, for example, you know, so they can do really cool stuff that the night stalkers can't do. And the same with, with the abyssals, the abyssals don't have their version of the phalanx and the spear hordes, or they don't have their version of, of the range shooting uh, or the bolt throwers. So they all bring something that the other lists can't do. I don't really understand when people say they're just worse Night Stalkers or just worse Abyssals because they kind of they get to pick and mix the best bits of all of them. Yeah. I think I, the turning point for me was um, I, 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 I was kind of in the camp of, I, I, you know, I, I really can't find the synergy in the list. I couldn't make it work. It's just not working for me at all. And I actually, um, I, I was in a, a chat group with, with Dan King um, from, from our last um, Clash of Kings. So we was in his team and that, that group still goes on. And I kind of, I went, down this list, blah, blah, blah. And he went, hang on a second, I'll write you a list. He was a bit pissed, actually. And he went and drunkenly wrote me a list. And he went, there you go, try that. This is how to play it. And I did. And I was like, it really opened my eyes um, yeah. to the potential in the list. I hadn't even thought of playing them in the, the style that he talked about. Um, and it's, you know, it doesn't have crones in it. It's a, it's a most, uh... it's all, <laughs> but it's an all, it's going to be my list to talk about later, actually, because I think it's such a great list. And what the thing that really made me love this, I have more fun playing Twilight Kin than I do playing any other army at the minute. Yes. They are just, yeah, that actually is my big thing. Yeah, they make me feel clever. 
which is hard because <laughs> you know yeah. on the battlefield you can do things and you're like that that seems pretty smart to me actually um and i think that's a really great thing uh, that, the, that this list can do that others can't i hinted at that at the beginning because to me when i'm playing twilight kin versus any other army that i've played so far in third i feel like i'm playing third edition kings of war like i'm taking advantage of all the different things that you're trying to be look you're supposed to be looking at when you're playing kings of war in third edition right yeah especially my most most recent list i'm running now does something in every phase and i love that i really yeah i really enjoy that it, it is infantry it's large cavalry uh, cavalry it's a large infantry it's shooting it's magic it's movement it's everything all in one really and it it all has to work together um because like he says there's no redundancies in it if if i mess one part of it up the whole list falls apart um it's not like some of my other lists where i've had a bit of a bit of give or a bit of leeway in it when you win a game with twilight kin it's it's really really good fun you've had as you play the game but also you feel like you've properly achieved the win i found and fun to play against as well I think, you know, because you've, there's that challenge from them. They're not all speed nine cavalry and you're not out, always outsped. There's just, you. it's a good competitive win, it feels like. Yeah. So I've got a question here um, uh, on my list of questions. It's around army composition. What needs to be in the army to make it work? And I think what's really interesting about the chat tonight, because I think we've all got quite different styles and different armies, is that, you know, we say, oh, this is a crutch unit. You have to have a soul. You have to... I don't think there is something that needs to be in the army to make it. Well, I think you can run a number well, of different builds. Except, except gargoyles. Oh, yeah, gargoyles. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Put gargoyles in. Fred, do you run gargoyles in your in your elf list? Uh, I I usually didn't. But <laughs> I just lost, I lost uh, a handful of games in a row, and now I'm bringing gargoyles <laughs> very soon. Okay, <laughs> gargoyles. Do you think there are scenarios that the army does well in, and the ones that we don't do well in because it's an elite army right so some of it, it can yeah it can struggle in scenarios like control a little bit because it doesn't there, there aren't the very many cheap sources of unit strength other than gargoyles that can fly around and be off by themselves so because there's going to be a fairly low number of inspiring sources all of your units tend to want to stick together um, for the most part so control can be quite a tricky one because we don't have the zombie equivalent where you can just throw a regiment down in a zone and leave it all game. The closest you get to that are the, the um, archers. And that's why archers are so good for that, is that you can, they're cheap in inverted commas, you know, it's still 120 points rather than 70 for zombies. But they can sit in a control zone by themselves and at least do something. Oh, I thought you were going to, I thought you were calling the archers th- a throwaway units. <laughs> well, they're, they're as close to throwaway as Twilight can get. Just sacrifice the elves. Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, sorry, they're just levy. We've, we've established that. That's just a shopkeeper. No one cares. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Go get the merchants killed. So how would you mitigate that in terms of control? I mean, Gargoyles is a good example, but I suppose it's just it's just um, focusing on... So uh, one of the things I liked about your battle reports, Elliot, is you talk about your strategy when you're looking at things like control. And actually, you know, you abandon half of that battlefield. You say, I'm, I might put something over there. I don't care about that corner. I'm actually going to let... You can dominate that all you like because I'm going to win by focusing here and it's focusing the power of the units that you've got, right? Yeah, and, and quite often if I'm playing control or if, if if I can afford to do so because I usually take two troops of gargoyles, is actually keep one well back in reserve out of, an, out of line of sight or range of any of the shooting and have that option to dive across to a, a zone at the end. So you've lost the chaff potential of it, but you've you've potentially got that game-winning scenario grabber that can fly out. 
you know, it's it's making use of the the odd cheap pieces that we do have. But, but yeah, picking your fights, you, you're never going to dominate the whole whole table. You just don't have enough units to do that. But you've got units that are probably better, or if they're not better, then Drain Live can tip the combat when you need it to. Um, so it's picking your fights, really. Cool. So Phil, I kind of think of you as the 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 king of layouts. So I've seen some of your your um, not just the the epic dwarf maps, um, which we all know, but some of the way you lay stuff out is quite uh, unique. Do you like if you're playing your Twilight King? Do you like to see lots of terrain on the table? You know, what's the best way to use terrain with with a with a Twilight King army? Well, uh, I feel like the terrain can mostly get in the way. Because most of your units don't really have any Pathfinder. They're not like Sylvankin. And I usually bring, I mean, elves and a couple of archer units, for instance. And, and they just get punished. By, the terrain just punishes them. And like you said, if you bring a tall spear horde, if they, if they charge something and hit, just snag a piece of terrain, then they get hindered. So I don't know. I, I actually, if, if, when I play Twilight Kin, I actually wish for as little terrain as possible, which actually is kind of in contrast to my normal uh, uh, ideals about terrain. I, I just want to have an open field to run my blade dancers forward and not just, you know, sabotage. If I, if I come to one of your tournaments and it's an empty table, I'm going to know what army you're bringing. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, I like lots of terrain with Twilight King because A, most of the stuff I'm bringing is hitting on threes. B, you know, I, I you know, the, my key units is my horseman um one of them's hitting on twos and the other one's got pathfinder and so what i'm really trying to do is stopping people pipping damage off me because with low nerve units that can really mess your game plan up early so if there's plenty of terrain i can actually i can plan my approach around them stick some butchers in a field off you go charge into my my dash 15 unit you know, as much as you like because then i can actually choose the combats i fight in so I, i'm not sure terrain's such a big limiting factor I quite like terrain only because my game plan usually revolves around keeping the crones alive no matter what. So when you've got places you can hide them, it's you know it's always a, a bonus for me, especially when you've got the the mounted one with the boots. If if she can run up and hide around trees or in little bits around buildings, that that's always a bonus. And then like you say, it's nice not to get that chip damage if you can help it. I try to combine it with my list itself. You, once we get to that point, I'll I'll talk to you guys about it. But I, I actually use Glade Stalkers to try to get uh, the Pathfinder into a position where I counterpunch in, in some sense. So the Glade Stalkers get charged, but they're in terrain. But then the Impalers that are waiting are not in terrain. And then they've got the ability to take at least one charge. And then the unit that they go against in return is then going to be damaged enough that the Impalers clean them up. Tiny things like that you can use the terrain for or hills for blade dancers uh, just to get the extra thunderous if you need it. Tiny, tiny things like that. But for the most part, if you're using any kind of, you know, light shooting or something like that, terrain can be a hindrance. But like Steve said, when you're hitting on threes a lot with elite, uh, going to fours and elite is not that bad. Plus, you've got two of your you know, Shadow Hulk sitting in a field you don't care, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's they always go near a forest. <laughs> right in the forest. So is it the specific armies we struggle against? Um, so, you know, if you think of kind of the archetypes of armies, you've got kind of very elite armies like our one, you've got shooting armies, melee heavy armies, and then giant horde armies. For me, I think Twilight Kin, horde armies is the biggest struggle, just because it's that overwhelming numbers against your few units. But what, what do you guys do, think? Do you know when it's not a struggle? 
when you've got two spearmen holds oh, and you can take out holds yourself. <laughs> right, anyway, was, that's all we've got time for. I was literally about, about to say that... Um, <laughs> I was about to say, I used to really struggle against hard armors oh. until I put the spearmen in. And now I've got the weight of attack to take out units like that. Yeah, you've got to paint two uh, spearmen hordes, so good luck, mate. I've, I've painted half of one. <laughs> Contrast paints. I'm halfway through one of them. <sighs> My build struggles with high defense, I can say that. But I also don't take butchers and, you know, some of the things that you guys do, so... It's almost as if there's loads of different flavors of Twilight Kin, which are going to struggle with I different know. things. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually also use uh, Spearman Hordes and Seaguard Hordes and and such units for scenario purposes. I mean, they are kind of the main reason I, I like to bring them because I feel they, they're good at those like control or pillage and scenarios like that. But they're also... Uh, not the best units in the army so i feel like the scenarios kind of force me to take those units and they have their own drawbacks so it's kind of a kind of a balance there i guess if you you can go for a very aggressive army and just uh, you can go for the theory that if you just kill your entire enemy army then you'll probably win the scenario and that's probably a good way to do it you can't hold the objective if you're dead exactly but if you're a bit more of a defensive player like I usually am, then I tend to take more defensive units as well, and then I don't really have that that advantage in the game. And I, yeah, I kind of suffer for those weaknesses of those units that we've spoken about earlier. So, what about things if if you're facing, you know, the War Machine spam? Let's say you're, you you you've got a Goblin army. They've got three rock lobbers, you know, three bolt throwers, a couple of wingets, some bangets. You know, how how do we cope with something like that with a list that's this elite? Cry. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you use the units you've got, so the, the gargoyles, the solbins, the things along those lines, to either screen or threaten charges as early as possible. Except that something's going to die. That's the general advice whenever you're playing a war engine spam list. But things like butcher regiments are, are brilliant at screening new, your more expensive stuff because uh, of the same height as your, your horsemen. You know, you, if you've got two or three butcher regiments in a wall, they can cover a huge amount of, of your units as you advance up. Um, and they're stealthy as well. Yeah, stealthy and, and Veil of Shadows even. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's it's not actually the worst matchup for Twilight Kin. Um, depends, you know, how, how lucky the dice go in your favour, I suppose, with that one. But yeah. What do you think is the worst matchup for Twilight Kin? Again, it, it depends entirely on what kind of archetype you've gone for on your list because there's there is a lot of variety in what they can do. For me, it's anything that can reliably snipe out my crones. Because once I've lost the crones, I've lost a lot of that damage mitigation. And you're effectively playing a very elite armor that can't heal in any way. So other mind creatures can be a real problem for me. Anything with a lot of lightning bolts or hex casters, things like that that can can pip things from afar that's probably like the biggest weakness for, for my style of twilight kin uh, but again that wouldn't be a factor for fred because he doesn't he doesn't rely on the crones in the same way yeah true but i also suffer from uh, i also suffer from lightning bolts a lot because i mean ironically lots of our units have stealth or and uh, like kyle said you can have the aura of stealth but normal like um, 
like range skill shooting is is not really it i mean the meta now is that shooting is bad so people mostly take war engines or or just or just spells just tons of lightning bolt and those just sort of kill our units super easy so in this meta of uh where shooting is kind of becoming less and less and the spells are being ramped up then uh, a stealth a stealthy army is just uh you know, it's not as good as it could be. Having played yeah. three games against Twilight Kin and having lost all three of those games, I, I might venture to say that Twilight Kin is our worst matchup, at least for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I, I can see that because they've got the same tricks, right? And your tricks don't work against someone with the same tricks. Yeah. Cool. So um, we've talked a little bit about them. But so, you know, kill the crones is one. But what what are good tips for playing against Twilight Kin? If you wanted to beat the different flavors of Twilight Kin we've talked about, you know, uh, kill the crones is going to is going to ruin Elliot's life. How, how do yeah, kill the crones? How do how do we beat uh, Preslinski? Uh, for me, if you can crack open one of my sides, that'll do it for sure. Uh, if you can if you get around the Shadow Hulks or stop the Shadow Hulks from actually getting in. That's that's a big thing for me. Uh, it, it's it, essentially flyers are a problem for me. I have ways to deal with it with the Soulbane, uh, with gargoyles, but those run out pretty quick. If I've got any kind of major flyer flanking force that can get jump over the Shadow Hulks, like I'm saying, or or any of my sides and rears, that's that's a real issue for me. We don't have surge where we can kind of just deal with something with a change facing and surge into it, which is what I'm used to in Undead. And that that causes some problems. Now, we have answers to it, but as far as my particular build, um, I, I don't really have ways to deal with that. Yeah, I agree that, that flyers are a tricky one for Twilight Kid in general because, as I say, that the answers really are the Soulburn, but that he's not good enough in himself to to bring a flyer down. Mikhail's quite a good option there, actually, just for charging that flyer. Um, but yeah, we don't have Surge. We don't have things like Boomers or Decimators that can turn and do lots of reliable damage. Um, all of our shooting tends to be chip damage, and it's very good at it, but it's, it's not enough to to stop that dragon charging you in the flank. Well, if you take two Silver Breeze and three Mind Screeches, then uh, anyway, move on. Uh, I still wouldn't want to rely on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's the, also one of the reasons why I put my Soul Banes on horses now, that they could, at least in theory, they could turn around and charge a dragon. Yeah. It's nice to have that option, at least. And you've got two of them. That's really nice, because you can just do, do one a turn. <laughs> and they're not, they're not guaranteed yeah. to kill the Soul Bane either. No? No, absolutely. 13, 15? True. Yeah. So what about allies? I mean, we've not even mentioned that. And I've actually, I can't, oh, no, that's not true. I did see a Twilight Kin this the other day that had allied in uh, a tree herder. <laughs> right? Yeah. But why? <laughs> I mean, just to be unpleasant. I think it was like a nine drop list at the end. It was ridiculous. But but the, but the radiance of life is just unusable. It just did very, <laughs> very well. Itself. Um, I think he just wanted to defend six monster in the middle of it, frankly. But to, would we ever Fair take, enough, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel Twilight Kin wouldn't like to hate. Why would they take it? You could ally in an extra mind screech if you wanted to be that guy. Yeah. I, I don't see the point of allies in Twilight Kin because it's no. already got such variety right. anyway. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure what you're you're missing, really. The only thing I could ever see allying in is something like decimators, um, because that's the only thing Twilight King can't do, is that mass piercing shooting. 
but I don't think that would be a good choice to ally in. Aren't decimators um or boomers? No, they're they're regular. Are they? Yeah, oh yes, they are yeah. broken. Go Metal Dwarves. Fred, we ever, <laughs> would you ever take uh, allies? Uh, I haven't thought about it. I mean, it feels like the the list in itself is kind of a it's like a an allied construct already. I mean, there there are three armies allied into one. So no, I, I've never thought about it actually. It just feels like cheating, frankly. <laughs> Do we feel that um, Twilight Kin is an, is a is new player friendly? As an army, would you you know would you recommend that a new player? Hey, I'm dying kins of war. What list should I try? Oh yeah, try out Twilight Kin. They're really easy. Was that kind of where you go? I can't say yes to that. No, I, I think, I, think it, I would recommend standard elves before I recommended yeah. Twilight Kin. I, I think it showcases Kings of War very well. Twilight Kin, Twilight Kin are what I want rank and flank games to be. They are infantry, elite units, combat, shooting. They're everything with magic and bits like that. So I think it's a very good showcase army, but it, I don't think it's a very forgiving army. I think if you got good at Twilight Kin, you get good at Kings of War. Yeah. Oh, God, what have I been doing? Uh, <laughs> and then, and then if you say, say if you got good at Twilight Kin and then went to Undead, you'd be unstoppable. Speaking of Undead, I just realised I should ally in some mummies or something into my Twilight Kin. That would, that would be pretty perfect. For <laughs> Wraiths. Oh, I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> You're so broken. Um, <laughs> so we've um, I asked the great, the great and the good, uh, and also some other people to contribute some questions on the uh, on the counter charge Facebook page. So let's quickly run through some of those questions. There was 124 comments on that, thread. and they were all very positive. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of them were people just yelling at Chris Davis. But um, <laughs> so um, wonderful Jeremy Duval, who is like the Buddha of countercharge. He's like a wonderful, joyous man. He says, is drain life worth... That's not sarcastic. I know my voice always sounds sarcastic. It's not. That's genuinely how I think of him. Is drain life worth stacking on builds that lack heavy chrome-bound units? Is the drain life good, still good without utilizing the extra heal-back range? I mean, drain life is still a good spell. I mean, any anytime you have access to it, it's, it's nice, but you're just... You're not taking advantage of what makes the list special when you're when you're taking it you know for your regular elf units no i, I was thinking i'm i i would might might just take a list with a uh, drain life with all elves just to be a, a contrarian sort of <laughs> just to see you know yeah. because it still would work but uh i mean if you if you do like um if you do the argument that they they may be paying some points for the ability to heal the crawl mound extra then you might be losing those points but i don't know what the math is behind it but uh, I mean, yeah, it would be less good, but Drain Life is still a good and solid spell. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I say, it's um, you know, the Crone, some of the Crone definitely is paying some points for the Wicked Miasma, but then it, it, all you need is one Chromebound unit in your list, and you're going to get some benefit from it. And even if you're not, Drain Life is still an excellent spell. But yeah, I just think if you have if you have a lot of Chromebound, then you, you're going to get a lot more utility and and use out of it yeah. but yeah but definitely I don't I, st- I still wouldn't be put off taking drain life if I wasn't running crowbound stuff it's just it's exponentially better frankly yeah um, so Michael Pierce wanted to hear about the trident uh, the, the trident realm the twilight kin fluff so we've we've done a bit read the book good god man he's writing a book 
Felix Castro says, what's it feel like to have an actual army list now? Yeah, it feels good. Thanks. <laughs> it, feel, it feels safer. <laughs> that, 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 that was the reason why I never played uh, Twilight Kingdom version 2, was because I didn't know what they were going to do with them in version 3. I can, uh, I can allow them in tournaments now. <laughs> so Chris Davis asked a question that he got absolutely yelled at for about... Um, it's interesting about why do the Twilight Kin only have a handful of actually kin units? But we've actually answered that question, and the reason is it's in the fluff. It's fluffy. It's fluffy, it is. Do, do, do you want to know the actual answer? Is that Mantic don't produce a Twilight Kin model range, and that, that is a genuine and perfectly valid answer. Yeah, fair, fair. P- people get angry about this, but I, I, I don't in the slightest. Mantic are a company that make a, a brilliant game that I really enjoy, but they are a business at the end of the day, and I I can't begrudge them for wanting to promote the models they produce. Absolutely. What what I really like is that they then give that to the rules committee and to players to decide how that will fit into a game, rather than other companies that will write rules to sell models. It, it's the other way around here. Mantic decide, you know, and said, okay, we want to focus on our our units and our models, but then they hand it over to the players to write the rules for them. Yeah, we're, we're just ignoring Abyssal Doors right now, right? It's fine. Move on. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Elliot, I think that you'll appreciate, or at least you'll remember in playtesting at one point, they were actually a theme list of Night Stalkers. The switch to becoming elves was something that I heavily encouraged and was really glad to see. So I, I'm glad that that eventually happened. This is an army that I like in, in being an employee of Mantic. I want to see them develop and eventually get a model range. I mean, in League of Infamy, we have an official Twilight Kin, Sorceress or Crone, whatever you'd want to call her that's coming out so it, it's it's being supported you know it was in first edition and i believe that it will be going forward uh, i certainly hope so so it, it, it's not on the radar right now but um i i think eventually we'll get to that point where it expands quite a bit more yeah so um because i was actually half expecting the twilight kin to kind of be dropped in third edition i mean i wouldn't have been surprised if they had because uh, because of the model range that you said, and that elves have such a large list anyway, so I feel like they're just keep doing us a favor, almost sort of, you know, here's a list for for your dark elves, basically, just like the other list in Uncharted Empires. It's it's kind of a favor that uh, is being provided that we have we have lists for armies that aren't being actually produced, and that we shouldn't. So so all the lists I think in Uncharted Empires are lists we we shouldn't really feel like we have the right to criticize because they're they're not a part of the core product at least that's my my thinking yeah and speaking of model ranges as i've mentioned i have a twilight kin box if anyone wants to uh, purchase it from me from a very reasonable price i've, I've changed your mind now i've heard how much of a nightmare it is to um, model oh, they're really really easy <laughs> they're lovely to model they're perfect please buy it uh, <laughs> I, i've seen one of those boxes because uh, uh, thomas uh, alexanderson uh, my fellow Norwegian player, uh, as Kyle also mentioned earlier, he actually won. Uh, we went to Spain, to Madrid, to play a tournament, and he won like an army box of uh, Twilight Kin. And we were like, "What? what's this? We, we've never seen that those models before. Yeah, it's so they're, they're exotic. Yeah. It's very rare, very valuable as well. If anyone wants to buy, as I've mentioned, uh, <laughs> should we move on? Um, so uh, Keith Conroy asks, um, if you could add one additional regular unit from Elves, Night Stalkers, or Forces of the Abyss to give Twilight Kin more unlocks, what would it be and why? I would like to see lower abyssals or something of that ilk of cheap cheaper, infantry. yeah, che- cheap infantry unlock. I think that would 
give an interesting new dynamic to I like him. Um, I think if you had a unit like that in, it would open up some of the gripes we've had about I would have this if only I could unlock it. Scarecrows? No. <laughs> Scarecrows sh- shouldn't, shouldn't be regular in my opinion. <laughs> no, I agree. And actually, that's the other because people keep on saying, again, oh, just Impaler Hordes, Impaler Hordes, Impaler Hordes. I don't want to see Impaler Hordes for the very specific reason. It just It's too much like Palace Guard. And it changes the dynamic of the army to the point where it's not. It would it would feel less unique. Yeah, and and it's also it's just doubling down on the the issue of everything is very expensive and very elite. Um, I would like to see Sea Guard be regular. I think. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Uh, I can I'm, definitely I'm, see I'm that. I'm not. I'm not just joking. I'm. I'm actually serious. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, it, it's. It seems a slightly odd choice that they're not when the elves get them regular. I really miss the Abyssal Riders unit that was in second edition. They were similar to Fiends, except they had Crush 1, Thunders 1, Defense 5, and Regen. Uh, 24 attacks hit them fours. And, I mean, they were just, it was such a nice unit. And I, I desperately miss them. I, I feel like in, in the old second edition that I had, and when I played with them, they were just such a good good unit. And they were unique. Um, it was essentially the elves that were riding on uh, abyssals, either horses or something, you know, whatever was left to your imagination. But it, it would be super sweet if, like, we could take something and, and put elves on top of fiends and have something similar to that. Uh, that would be cool. Yeah. So that's my thought. Oh, get, get making that. I want to see that. Okay. Elves riding fiends would be very cool. Especially the really uh, nice new fiend models. Keith Condor smashed me on UB the other day, by the way. Oh, I shouldn't answer his question then. I should have just binned it in disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> what's up Keith <laughs> so another question about unlocks which I think we've kind of covered in, in great depth so there are definitely ways around the unlock issues Michael Wayne but they are issues and we acknowledge that Matt G says uh, how many elves do you need in, a, in an army for it to count as an elf army one just two some of the so um, Mike Cottas asked a question around how does how does it distinguish itself from the feel or play of other elf armies and from Night Stalks and Abyssals? I think we, we talked about that at great length. Yeah. Patrick Zora Allen, uh, the world's finest player, has asked um, what are their biggest strengths, weaknesses? Oh God, he's asked 100 million questions. What build archetypes do they think we excel in? What archetypes do they struggle in? Have we covered that? Yeah. Yeah. Roughly. What does a tri- uh, Twilight Kin army with little to no chrome-bound units in it look like. We're shortly going to find out when Fred reads his army list out. Uh, what are the must-have locked units? Do you take Mikael or a Soulbane and another character, assuming you have the unlock? Both? Tricky one. That is a hard one, is that? Because he is the points of a Soulbane and a yeah. um, together. If I had to make that choice, I would choose a Soulbane plus something. Yeah. That's what I do, but... that That's what I do at the moment. But I can. Well, there's our answer. I can I th- very I much see an argument for Mikhail, but yeah. And then he says, "Why isn't a hold of tall spears with hammer of measured force standard in every Twilight King list?" And uh, because they're garbage. <laughs> because Brewer's strength is better. I, I really, really don't like the hammer of measured force. I don't see the appeal at all. Can someone kindly build a list with only elves and no? Yeah. Yes. Yes, they can, Chris Thomas. Um. What about uh, Mike McCready? Why play Twilight King at all when free dwarves are in the same book? Um, <laughs> moving on. I, I play both. It's okay. Okay. Um, Jake Cherry Pika says, why is this an army? 
Does anyone who plays the army do so without looking for cheesy spam break the game builds? Why play this over... Jake! What is wrong? Did you get up on the wrong side of bed? Why play this over Abyssal's Elves or Night Stalkers? I, I, because they're completely different armies to all of those three. Yeah, get some skills, Cherapika. Um, <laughs> is it a good idea to go all in on Mindscreech and take three? We've talked about that. Visibly Riley asks, Hi, Riley. In a Cronus build, would you replace your Chromebound Butchers with regular Butchers for the five extra points per unit? Why? Or why not? Uh, no, because the Chromebound keyword is incredible because of Crohn's. But... I've heard this view a few times that uh, mind thirst is a, a negative rule or a neutral rule, and that's just wrong. Anyone that believes that, I just do not understand it. They, you're getting free inspiring. I know that in theory your opponent can mean that you're not going to be inspired, but it, that's going to come up once in the game, maybe, and you're going to get your opponents inspiring 15 times in the game. So you're up you know, so many more times than you're not. But no, I, I, I like the Chromebound versions. Um, I like being able to heal them. Yeah, it's the heal, isn't it, really? That's the that's the principle. I don't think yeah. gaining Mind Thirst is worth losing that heal ability. Is to the I think that. the discount and the heal is actually better. Yeah, I agree. Matt Croger asks, is it true that Steve Hilder is an incredible lover? And the answer to that question is... Yes. Yes, I am. <clears throat> of myself only. Uh, Rasmus asks another question about why not just play Night Stalkers. Have people actually looked at this list? <laughs> Carl Poole says, why not just play Night Stalkers? Um, Tom Annis asks, because they don't have a missile horseman. <laughs> how much, or elves in them, how much or do Chrome. kin players play brain Brad McKay for pumping and dumping their army and causing it to take the form it does today? If it's not 100%, when this year did they start playing Kings of War? Well, exactly. I, I'm, I, I don't because I started playing Twilight Kin this year. The, the chariot build with the lightning bolt dragons was just not fun. It was boring. <laughs> it's I, I played... I had chariots and I had a dragon. It was dull. It's dull. Chariots were boring. I'll say they were the most boring unit ever. Oh, I'm going to shoot with all my shots. Yeah, you're so dull in your massive thing. Forget it. So um, I'm glad Brad McKay did. Good job, Mr. McKay. High five. Yeah. But he, he did manage to get the attention of Ronnie personally, who I believe instructed that that should no longer exist. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Because <laughs> so, it's garbage. Yeah. That it was, was the thing, is that he didn't want it to be he wanted the game to look more rank and flank and now obviously this army looks tremendously like that so yeah so actually i think it did a great service for him because if if that's all the list was i would never touch it you know i love having all the variety and options that you get from from twilight the chariot list i agree it was total garbage Uh, it was uh, a couple of our uh, best players or best at building like cheesy lists they they made or they they copied that list for a couple of events and it was just uh, it was soul crushing to play against. Uh, so yeah, I was super happy to see that chariot and dragon list just go away. Please go away. <laughs> Andrew Summer says, with Twilight Ken recently winning a large two-day online tournament, what nerfs do you think the rules committee needs to make right now, and what nerfs can wait until the next cockburg? Well, I've, I've already decided that tall spears are going to get made, made regular because it doesn't make sense that they've got tall spears. <laughs> There's no reason. <laughs> John Fork says, if you kill the crones, do you win automatically? And Abyssal Horseman is forty-one, forty-three nerve fair. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it was John. It was completely fair. Stop rolling double ones. It's not my fault. <laughs> Matt G says, uh, should Twilight can be able to take Chromebound Reapers or Abyssal Succubi? Mm. No, no. I think it's you know, I, they're too similar to Blade Dancers, right? Right. Yeah, I mean they're they're just. Yeah, I, I do think any changes to Twilight can need to be to the elves, not to the. I think the Chromebounds are pretty spot on. 
Yeah. Bit, bit of what they've got now. Uh, yeah. Erasmus says, do you like the theme of the army? A few elves summoning bad things to battle. Yes. Love it. Uh, cool. I do. Yeah. Um, it looks it, it looks like the army structure with the limited unlocks is meant to create that theme. How does it do, or how would you have preferred the theme was translated into a list? I'm I'm pretty happy. I mean, okay, another unlocking unit would be great, but actually, I'm really enjoying playing them as they are now. In a way, I mean, at least it's it forces the army to at least have some elves in it. Uh, if you, I mean, if you count Abyssal Horsemen as elves, kind of. Because if if they if they, if it was structured in another way, then people might just take only the Nightstalker units and the missile units and stuff, and just skip all the elves, and that would be a bit boring. So maybe the army kind of needs a little bit of of tax, so to speak, on the elf units to make sure there are at least some elves in the Twilight Kin army. It's spoken in the fluff quite a bit that they use you know poison and subterfuge to take advantage of the situation. And I think it could be fun. And you do see this in some theme lists. If the elven units that were in it were given uh, additional upgrades of some sort, like poison upgrades or something like that, that they could apply to their weapons and then get, you know, elite and vicious or, you know, something ridiculous. But I'm going to defer to Elliot on that one. But I, I just think it could be cool to make those units more worthwhile by improving them in those ways. You heard it here first. Uh, what's your favorite unit in the list and why? We'll go. So Elliot, what's your favorite unit? Some crones. One, because they're very good, but also I think Carl said it perfectly. They're a, a unit where the fluff and the rules converge perfectly into one model. I, I love that they inspire Cronbounds only. I love that the Wicked Miasma, the, th- the throw in the heel for me, I, I really like the idea of drawing the life force out of something else and the, the thing that they sacrifice somebody to summon gets stronger at the same time. I just think they're really thematic and really cool. And also really good in the game. And they're a play style that is unique to Twilight Kin. No one else can do you know, that that level of, of heal and maneuverability and utility in a in a wizard that's quite fragile, but very, very deadly. Fred, what's your favorite unit? I was going to say Seaguard, because that would be the obvious answer for me, but um I think I might go with the Soul Bane actually. Just a super cool hero. Kyle, how about you? You guys are going to, I'm going to get boos and hisses for this, but I actually really like the Impalers. Yay! They are cool. <laughs> I like them. I really like them. I just, yeah, they just don't fit my love of Summoner Crones. <laughs> I like Mikhail. I think he's just awesome. Plus, I've got his model. I think he's just, he's unique. He's a proper unique hero. No one has anybody, anything like him. I think he's great. Okay. There are so many questions. I don't, I don't think we can get through. We're going to be like four and a half hours at these. Um, the la- last question, John Guns, what minor tweaks that might be appropriate for inclusion in a Clash of Kings update might allow greater variety? But, you know, I don't think we can answer that because Elliot's going to be writing them. Kyle can't really say. Fred, what minor tweaks that might be appropriate for inclusion in a Clash of Kings update might allow for greater variety in building competitive lists? Well, for instance, the, if you could take the Scream Shard on all elf units, that would be cool. Uh, even the ones that are from the master list. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and one or two units should be uh, be made regular. Um, but I, I get that there's a balance issue. If you, for in, for instance, Glade Stalkers or Shadows, as I like to call them, I I, I wish they were just a regular unit, but maybe if there was some way to sort of do them like a legendary unit that also unlocked i mean because you don't want people to take you know four of them but 
if you could take like at least one Glade Stalker unit and have that actually give an unlock, that would be great. Uh, but uh, of course, it would be a bit tricky mechanic. But, um, so I would like to see Seaguard be regular and Glade Stalkers regular, and then, as Kyle said, give some some edge, some cool extra rule or special rule or upgrade to the elf units. Uh, it might be might be enough. All right, so we're going to run into a quick commercial break, and then we're going to run through our army lists. Hi, this is Eric Trowbridge, 2020 US Master, and you're listening to Countercharge. And we're back. So um, we are going to run through each of our lists. Elliot, would you like to go first? Just give us the points value and then quickly run through your list. Yeah. Right, so this is uh, 2,000 points. This is the list that I'm currently building up to, to take to Cologne in Germany, hopefully, at the end of September. So it's two hordes of Kindred Tall Spears, Steve's favourite unit. Uh, one with the Brewer Strength, one with nothing on it. Uh, two Chromebound Gargoyle Troops, because you have to take them, it's the law. Two Regiments of Abyssal Horsemen, uh, one with Sharpness, one with Elite. One Bolt Thrower, one Mind Screech, uh, a Soulbane mounted with Scream Shard and Mace Crushing. Two Summoner Crones, one with the Boots of Levitation and a Horse, uh, and one with Drain Life 9 and the Wings. Uh, and an army standard bearer with the loot of insatiable darkness. So yeah, I really like this list. It's two massive blocks of spears that are very, very killy. Tend to have the battle standard bearer behind them for inspiring and and burn chant. Uh, and then you've got the, the two very, very punchy horsemen with chaff alongside it and just enough shooting to be able to whittle down one very focused target or get rid of um, your opponent's chaff. I, I really like this list. I think for a two thousand point list, I get a lot of a lot of bang for my buck there because the the two horsemen live much longer than you'd ever expect them to because of the drain life. Yeah, it's kind of like a very piecemeal list. Is it a little bit of this, a little bit of that? There's just a, a, a lot going on, a lot to deal with. Yeah, it's um, the, the 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 spears sort of sit together. The horsemen either sit together or I have one one holding down the flank with a sawbane. Those two together pair beautifully, uh, and then the other one supports the spearman, and then it, it's got just enough things like, like the bolt thrower, the chrome, the, you know, the flying crone, and the mind screech. I deploy all of them first every time because they're just free drops effectively, because they can just sit in the middle of the board and then redeploy where they need to through fly and, and shenanigans. So no, I like that list. It's nice, and it's a nice mixed arms. It's got infantry and cavalry and all sorts in it. Very cool. Kyle, let's hear your list. Mine is 2300 because I'm American and that's what we do. Uh, I've got two regiments of impalers, nothing on them. Two hordes of kindred tall spears. Sounds familiar. Uh, mine actually, I, I've gone back and forth. I've gone back and forth on the hammer. Uh, I've gone brewer strength. I've looked at all those different options. The, in this particular list, I don't have anything on them because I actually am I'm splitting them up in my battle groups, but I'll talk about that later. Uh, two troops of kindred glade stalkers. So these guys go in front of the impalers, give me early shots to put early wounds on things. And then when the impalers crash in, like I talked about earlier, uh, works really well. I actually took off a horde of spears uh, with a flank charge with the glade stalkers. So they, you know, they've got value. Uh, one standalone troop of gargoyles. Yay. 
a troop of Silver Breeze cavalry that goes in front of my horde of Cronebound fiends with the Brew of Strength. I spoke on earlier. I feel like they needed something to kind of put them to that level. Uh, the Brew of Strength is probably not the best option, but this is just points dictated. Uh, crushing two and vicious means that whatever does hit has a really good chance of sticking with 24 attacks. There's a pretty good chance of that happening. Two Cronebound Shadow Hulks. I love to run these guys, uh, as you've heard so far in the cast, um, side by side, basically deploying them on a flank, preferably somewhere near terrain where they're also hard to be charged. And then terrain is a benefit to them because they have Strider. Typically right behind them is a Summoner Crone on foot. She's totally by herself. Um, I've played around with all the various options, but in this particular build on foot behind them works really well because if I need to, uh, she inspires the Shadow Hulks, but she can also throw the heals from the Drain Life all the way over to the, the Fiends, especially late game when they need it. Soulbane mounted. Uh, no kind of upgrades on him, though, other than the horse. So he goes typically with the fiends and one of the uh, spear hordes. So fiends, spear hordes, and silver breeze cab is one group. Uh, and then last but not least is the standard bearer uh, with loot of insatiable darkness, which is pretty standard as well. Um, that's sort of my anchored center with a horde of the tall spears. The loot goes pretty well with them to give them crush one at least or towards the impalers so the impalers flank both sides of the spear horde uh glade stalkers go in front of them the gargoyles become a great wild card so that i can use them offensively to get into a rear field or something like that but i've got early game shots um i've got mixed you know unit types like elliot mentioned so there's infantry there's cavalry there's large cav there's titans there's heroes that are mounted there's spells it's it's just it's such a great mix and i feel like that's the really the strength of the army altogether very cool so it's a, a different flavor of list. Was, Elliot, was that the list that you played against? No. Similar ish. No, I, I played the two, the two Shadow Hulks. And then everything else is. is I, think, I think you had, you had the troops of Impalers at that point, didn't you? Yes, I did. Two regiments and two troops, I believe. Yep. Very cool. Right, so my list is. So this is um, a list that I didn't write. So this is mainly because I, I kind of felt like a list that I wrote would be. Um, I'd stolen quite a bit from Elliot's list, but having listened to his list, it would be really different. So anyway, <clears throat> since he's he's moved here so much. So this is the list that Dan King wrote for me that really got me into Twilight Kin. And I think it's a really interesting take. So it is a 2000 point list. Um, it starts with, don't mock, a regiment of tall spears. Um, it has two troops of gargoyles. Only they were a hard. <laughs> Um, and there's no items in this entire list, by the way, which I think is really interesting. So a regiment of tall spears, two troops of gargoyles, two hordes of butchers, um, a troop of shadow hounds, two regiments of horsemen, abyssal horsemen, an archfiend, a soulbane, and Mikhail. That's the whole list. 11 units, 19 unit strength, 2,000 points. And, the, and I've played this list quite a few times. And the way the list functions is you have your butchers in the center with the soulbane and one gargoyle. You have your horseman on a flank with Mikael and the Gargoyles. Uh, your Tall Spears lingering around in the backfield. And then your Shadow Hounds um, down. You can either run them down one flank and the Archfiend down the other flank. Or you have them. I tended to run them together. So you have your Shadow Hounds screening for the Archfiend. And it's a very, very simple Hammer and Anvil list. Whereby the Soulbane and the Butchers kind of meander their way down the centre of the field, incredibly hard to kill. While the Horsemen and the Archfiend are just punching incredibly hard down the other, down the other flank. And that regiment of tall spears wanders up and just grabs an objective. And it works really well as a list. Um, it's simple. I think the lack of items is, is, a, is slightly flawed. And the Shadowhounds are a little bit redundant as a troop, but they're just that little bit more durable 
than Gargoyles. You have to play it really, really aggressively, which I get because it's, it's, a, it's a Dan King style list. There is zero shooting. It's all melee. I was going to say, it's a very Dan King style list, is that? Yes, it is. Yeah, um, and it's got an Archfiend with Firewall, but it, it very, very effective list and really, really good. And he wrote it when he was quite drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's my list. Fred, uh, let's hear your list. Okay, Steve, there is my army list. So, here we go. My army list is two regiments of Impalers, which both have the Scream Shard, one regiment of Blade Dancers, and one regiment of Abyssal Horsemen. And those are the unlocks in the army. And then a lot of troops and uh, irregular units will follow. I have two troops of kindred archers. Just to have uh, someone to stand in the way. They kind of double as chaff units. And they also, you know, plink out a few shots here and there. I have two troops of gargoyles. Which, uh, you know, sadly made me go back on my... uh, promised that I had an all-elf army list. I did have an all-elf army list until I got sick of losing and then I felt like I had to put some gargoyles in there. I have two troops of Silver Breeze Cavalry or Shadow Breeze as they probably are called in the Twilight Kin army. I have two regiments of Sea Guard of course, I have to have these in my army after talking all my trash. Uh, well, not trash. I mean, I've been talking a lot of, you know, I've been hyping up the Sea Guard for, uh, for a long time. And uh, I know they're probably not the greatest, but I really like Sea Guard. And um, um, with their phalanx and ability to shoot, I feel like they do a fair job of kind of anchoring up a few points in my line. Then I have two bolt throwers for some range support. I have a tiny army standard bearer just to have some inspiring in my lines. And finally I have two soul bane mounted on a horse for just all purpose really. They can inspire where they are, they can ride around with uh, the dread aura, uh, or they can turn around and punch a flyer. Of the units that can have Scream Shard, uh, they all have it. So Impalers have Scream Shard and Soul Banes have Scream Shard. So that's the list. It's at 2295 points. Uh, I haven't gotten around to play too much with it sadly because of the, these times. But after the inclusion of Gargoyles and Silver Breeze, and uh, Abyssal Horsemen, uh, I feel a bit more confident in this list than my old all-infantry elf list, which was a bit of a, a challenge to play, really. It's been a bit of a marathon session. Thanks so much for joining me, guys. Any final thoughts? Um, Kyle, any final thoughts from you? I think that uh, we've proven pretty effectively that Twilight can have a lot of place in the meta and in the community. Uh, and they're not just cast off abyssals or cast off night stalkers or weaker versions of any of those things that they are their own standalone list. And there are real genuine reasons to play them. Um, 
it, when you see all those comments and you see those things like it, it, if it doesn't click with you, I understand why you might make those comments. But if it does click with you, then you look at it and you go, what? Why? Why do you even feel that way? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's not just, you know, I know Steve and, and myself, especially we're, we're typically very vocal, positive people in the community. Uh, Countercharge is a great source for that. But at the same time, this isn't just me being positive about something. This is me actually believing in the functionality of a list. And I wouldn't be spending as much time as I do on hobby and, and to build it and put it together. If I didn't really think that this was a very viable and, and workable list. Awesome. Elliot. Yeah, I think I'd echo that. I, I just say to everybody that, that has maybe just glanced at Twilight Kid and not really looked, go back and look at the list, but with complete, you know, no, no assumptions and no preconceptions about what you think it should be. And, you know, look at the different styles of lists you can actually build because there's a lot more variety there than people seem to realize. And I think everyone's just got stuck on the the first glance through they did when third edition first dropped to realize chariots were gone and discounted the list out of hand, really. Definitely. And how about you, Fred? So my final thoughts on uh, Twilight Kin. I think they're a fun army more than a competitive army. I like the hobby aspects of it. I like the whole uh, other dimensional... Uh, elf summoning demons into battle aspect of it uh, and uh, yeah but if I really wanted to let's say if I needed to win a, a tournament or if I for some reason uh, had made a bet of winning my all my games then I would probably bring my undead list instead <laughs> you can't okay just don't don't bring Barlick in right cool what a perfect way to end the review well, on that note, we'll leave you. And until next time, keep counter-charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Yeah, if it, if it sounds bad, we'll just get Steve to re-record all your bits in a, a vaguely inappropriate accent. Hey guys, it's me, Fred Oslo from Chantorf. Like that, it's going to be amazing. Exactly, yeah. Okay, it's some games and hobo. It's going to be awesome. It's it's global. <laughs> and now, local news. I can allow them in tournaments now. Yeah, you're now allowed in Denmark. Congratulations. Denmark. I'm so sorry. I mean, there might be a lot of Denmark. I'll do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So you're actually they're actually allowed in Finland now. So they're. uh... (laughs) I appreciate the variety of accents on this cast. Carl really can only say Mantic is the best. You should absolutely buy all Mantic elves immediately. (laughs) A vaguely insulting accent. Hi, I'm here in Finland. Uh...